uh, even when you take courses, uh, when you go to university, you take courses. Uh, if you are going to study, become an accountant, yeah. lawyers, engineers, whatnot. Okay, they yeah. are specific profession. Yeah. So let's see an example as an accountant. I, I come from an accounting background. So what they do is that they get a qualification accountant. So they go in, they join an organization. They're thinking about, I do the job of an accountant. Mm. Okay, now that's fine because you're skilled, you're trained, you're trained in that area. So Correct. you become an accountant. Doing the word accountant doesn't mean you have to think like an account, uh, just an, as an accountant. Mm. The working part is what you do. The thinking is that you're always thinking about the business. Mm. Okay, like example, when I say you think about the business is when you're working in an organization, you, you try to always think the whole organization as your business. Mm. Then you will start to, to do the things that helps the business rather than just do the part which you are trained to do. Understand. If you are a, a, a plumber, you, you are not only looking at the, if you have a water leakage and you go and solve the problem, okay? But along the way, if you find there are other problems that the client is facing, you will not keep quiet about it. Before we begin the podcast, have you gotten your free ebook? It's called the Build a Six-Figure Portfolio Guidebook. Now, inside it, we share with you the tips and tricks to bring your stock investing skills to the next level. The best part, it's only 10 pages long and it's totally free. Whether you're on Spotify or YouTube, the link to download is in the description or you can go to www.firl.co slash f-r-e-e or www.firo.co slash free. Hello everyone, welcome back to the Fire Podcast, best place for long-term stock investors. If you're tuning in because you want to listen and know about stock investing, I have to disappoint you today. <laughs> but no worries, you will not be disappointed by the podcast regardless because we are going to talk about taking charge of your career. So to today with us, we have two um, very interesting gentlemen one we know very well, one we have no clue who he is. Yeah. And that's uh, why we are, you know, he's on the podcast, right? And we're, we're actually here gonna be talking about their book, the new book, right? It's uh, one of the shortest book I've read, but clearly one of the most impactful one. And it's called Take Charge, A Practical Guide to Designing Your Career by Mr. Tan Meng Chai, which is a gentleman sitting in front of me. And of course, the one joining us all the way from Houston, to Zoom. Or oh, Dallas. Uh, Dallas, sorry. <laughs> uh, Sakib Shing. Welcome, uh, both of you. Thank you. Thank you. So I, I think just to start off, right, um, we usually like to in, you know introduce our guests, but we want both of you to introduce yourself. So who are you and what do you do? Maybe you can start with uh, Sakib first. Sure. And uh, thank you uh, both for having us uh, on the podcast. It's a pleasure and uh, we uh we hope to make it a productive conversation uh yeah so my name is sakib sheikh i'm uh not based in dallas i'm just here uh gallivanting across the states and i happen to be staying uh with a friend uh at the moment but uh as you can tell by my accent i i do come from thereabouts in the states i'm a pakistani american mm -hmm. but for the last 10 years i've been based in malaysia and uh I have a few different hats that I think I carry. One is in the sort of social impact space. Uh, I've been very active in the area of urban sustainability, uh, in the area of uh, refugee empowerment, 
And uh, that has been a sort of passion of mine in the last five, five to six years. Mm -hmm. uh, along with that, I'm a certified coach and uh, I'm uh, an educator as well. And uh, it's specifically those last two hats that sort of lend themselves towards this book. And, uh, you know, I'll, I'll be sharing more about, I guess, myself or uh, my own journey uh, as as we move along. Um, but uh, at the core of a lot of what I do is uh, writing. Writing has been uh, a passion. I don't necessarily consider it a job. It's more of my passion. And uh, it's something that I think uh, I'm, I'm very happy that uh, the book that you've been holding in your hands has sort of been the first uh, uh, real sort of milestone product project from uh, me and my writing career. And uh, yeah, great to be on. How's your last and your boss since you've been in Malaysia for so long? Do you do you? <laughs> uh, strangely enough, yeah, the 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 last uh, slip in. You know, even though I've been back to the states, uh, you would think that they would have been filtered out of my uh, lingo, but no. And especially, you know, I I've noticed in terms of my lexicon, uh, using can as a ah, yeah, uh, right. single one word sentence is uh, something that definitely has been adopted from me. In it's efficient, of, uh, right? It's really efficient, right? It is. And uh, strangely enough, you know, it's, uh, it's, a, it's a universal communication. So yeah. wherever I go now, when I talk to people in the States and I say can, they, they immediately understand it. But it, it, it's we weird to them, right? That short adoption, even in the States where, you know, there tends to be an emphasis on, you know, utility and language. But... I think Malaysians take it to another level. Yeah. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> Ken la. Yeah. Ken la. Yeah. yeah. So I, I think I'll, I'll go into uh, why did you both decide to work on this book a bit later on, but maybe right. share yes. with us, you know. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, I'm actively retired this year, okay? And I choose so because I, I hit this, my 60th year this year. And... Uh, and uh, I'm currently seated on the two listed board in Malaysia as an independent director, a mm -hmm. non-executive director. Um, and I've been a trainer or facilitator, a workshop facilitator for a, for a US-based uh, HR uh, consulting firm mm. uh, for the past uh, more than 10 years. And uh, I, I'm also... Uh, a, internationally certified, uh, ICF uh, certified coach as well. Mm. Uh, so, but uh, what I do on, uh, uh, in my so-called actively retired time, I, I do some executive coaching. Mm -hmm. I actually coach uh, organization and uh, on, uh, on leadership matters, mm -hmm. uh, on succession planning. Mm -hmm. uh, and on, on a regular basis, sometimes I meet friends and all that. They want advice on careers and all that. I, I give coaching as well. On pro pro yes. bono? Uh, yeah, yeah, I do that. <laughs> depends. Actually, yeah. It depends. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. Uh, I mean, look, they are friends, you know, they, if they need advice anytime. Yeah. And I've been mentor to friends as well, uh, children. Yeah. And all that. So, so some context, uh, Meng Chai is also kind of like a mentor to both Meng, yeah. uh, MJ and myself. Yeah. yeah. In, in fact, I think when we, before we started Fire I think a big push came from uh, Meng Chai. Right, yeah. We, we went for breakfast. Yeah, we ended up at dinner, so that's yeah. how long the conversation lasted. Sakib, <laughs> just to yeah. wow. for some context, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know how talkative I can be, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. There you go. <laughs> so, so I, I guess now, now we go to the the story of how did both of you all decide to this uh, to 
combine. How do you guys cross paths maybe mind. first? Yeah, <laughs> how do you guys come together and you know eventually decide to write the book? Uh, uh, let me go at, yeah. take a go at that. And, uh, the idea about writing this book came about six years ago. Okay. And uh, I was with a friend and you know we meet quite regularly. And uh, he, and we, we, we regularly share ideas about uh, management, leadership, and various uh, various topics. Mm -hmm. And and as I shared more, and then I think he came up with the idea, he said, hey, you've got so much ideas, why don't we come up with a book? Mm -hmm. And you know, and I start putting down points, but uh, over the six years, I struggled many times trying to come up with books. I just can't put uh, uh, Words, words to ideas? Words to, uh, words, uh, yeah, oh, thought, thoughts to words, mm, okay? Mm, uh, mm, and, and make it in a way that's readable. So I, I, could, I just couldn't do that. Mm. Uh, and he encouraged me. He says, okay, why don't we do it this way? Uh, you write every week, we meet up. Okay, you write a chapter, I write a chapter. Okay, so we can exchange the chapters. Uh, so in a way to induce me, encourage me to write. Uh, he finished writing one his own book. Okay. <laughs> I, I didn't get anywhere. <laughs> okay, uh, very you know, he's, he's really a good friend, and mm -hmm. I always call him a coach because uh, he's also uh, we we help each other. So he called me a coach. I call him a coach. Mm. Uh, and uh, somewhere uh, this year, beginning of this year, because uh, Sakib and I we are you know we are peer coaches, mm. you know, uh, sitting in the same forum, and. Uh, and Sakib Saki write, writes very well. Mm. And I saw and I said, hey, Sakib, you know, maybe we can work on something, you know, you can write uh, something I have in mind. Mm. And then he very quickly came to the idea and said, hey, what do you have in mind? Mm. So that's how we got together and and have a chat over it. I see. Was it was it done, a lot of these chats done virtually or was it a face-to-face -face thing between both of you? I mean, during COVID. Yeah? yeah, it was beginning of this year. So it was during the COVID time. So. Almost yeah. everything I think happens over the Zoom. Wow. wow. <laughs> right. Uh, Meng Chan and I, we first met uh, towards the end of um, 2020, I believe. Yeah. Okay. Ah. That's when we first yep. met. And uh, it's only after that where I started getting more serious in terms of article writing. And I used mm. to write um, at the beginning of the year uh, several articles related to personal self-development, some of my coaching focuses. Mm. And I think I, primarily I would be sharing that with the coaching community and then my extended networks. And I think uh, Meng Chai came across some of these articles and he got an idea of my sort of style and flair to my writing. And uh, I think he, he, he sort of reached out because uh, he had already planted this seed in uh, the coaching community that he wants to do a book. That's mm. one of his uh, milestone activities that he wants to get accomplished. And um, he approached me regarding that. And it was a bit of a conversation. Uh, it wasn't as easy as us just saying, okay, let's write a book and then next week we <laughs> yeah. start writing. Yeah. Uh, th there took a series of conversations to actually get to the actual drafting process. And yes. uh, those conversations were very important in hindsight because... Mm. Uh, we wanted the the book to be a product of you know both of our collective thinking and our our own ideas as well as you know uh, a sort of cross fertilization of you know ideas as well. We yeah. did, it, so that process was very much uh, learning as we go. Yeah, and I think it was uh, something at least it was very beneficial for me. I hope uh, for Meng Chai as well. Yes. 
So I, I know uh, we have friends who, and before I get into the content of the book, which is really going to be the fun part of the <laughs> yeah. discussion, right? But I know I, I have a couple of friends who wrote books and um, what they intended, you know, the process to be is very different from what it actually was. So I want to ask both of you, right? Uh, is that, were there any surprises once you started writing a book and yeah. finishing the book that you did not foresee? Caught you off guard in a way. I, I, but for me personally, it's not about caught off guard. Uh, I, I, I like a lot of uh, contribution uh, from Sakib in the sense that the idea I had uh, was, uh, to me, it was a very practical idea mm. right. know, through my experience and uh, I, I have in mind the reasons why I want to put forth some of the ideas. Uh, Sakib was very good in the sense that he uh, he think in, he, he thought in terms of the audience, mm. you know how it comes across to the audience, how he organized ideas, uh, and then how he challenged them, and you know because we are from different so-called in terms of age, I, I'm I'm always uh, I'm always older, so uh, he could provide uh, some pushback mm. in, in some of the ideas, and give a better perspective, you know, in some of the ideas that is coming across. I see. Yeah. Oh. For you, Sakib? I think that, uh, you know, as Meng Chao probably mentioned later, the process of publishing a book, uh, there are several steps. You know, it's not just about drafting the book itself. Yeah. It's also about, you know, the the publishing process. Mm. And I think there's yeah. there are several <laughs> steps you have to take, uh, especially if you're designed to self-publish versus, you know, publish through a, a regular publisher that I mean, it's a learning process. Yeah. Um, in terms of the writing itself, I think that I didn't go into it with many expectations. Mm. You know, I didn't because uh, it's also first time for me. I think that uh, what was important for me is that uh, it should be an end product that um, people find valuable. And I think one thing that uh, Meng Chai and I had uh, came to a common vision on is that we want uh, the piece of work. It's not about, you know, trying to push a bestseller. It's about trying to uh, promote certain ideas mm. that we feel are sort of out of place in, in, the com in, the, in the workforce at the moment. And I think that's what resonated with me. But as Meng Chai mentioned, uh, he came uh, with a, a sort of list of a lot of his different ideas and uh, unconventional wisdom and you know nuggets that he had uh, learned through his own uh, career process. So uh, the main challenge was to find a way to structure it uh, so that it can actually deliver maximum impact for a reader. Mm. And uh, that was um, the, the series of conversations that we had in the beginning was focused mainly on that. Like what would be the, the type of structure or the the vehicle through which we can deliver these ideas. I mean, what would be the most effective way to do that? And uh, it was it was a lot of back and forth. And I would say this that you know, uh, a lot of people when they write their first book, it's it can be a solo journey, mm. yeah, which right. can be somewhat more daunting. In in our case, we we decided very early on to do it as a co-authorship. So as a co-authorship, we wanted it to be a product of uh, both of our, you know, uh, both of our imaginations, both of our uh, creative impulses as well. So that it was very important for Meng Chai and I to, on a personal level, to to become f 
familiar with each other mm. to meet. Uh, we, we met on a few occasions uh, just, you know, to even just uh, understand a bit more about the psychology of the other person and uh, where the other person is coming from. And to develop a bit of, you know, sort of professional chemistry of working together mm. before we could actually even get to the drafting process. And I think that's very important when it comes to co-authoring is that there's some level of mutual uh, trust and camaraderie between uh, the co-authors. Otherwise, it, it can be a much more difficult process than it, it turned out to be. I think the the process of creating the book was, you know, as much as it was a project of hard work, it was also enjoyable. And at least for me, it was a learning process as well. Right. It's great it's, to hear, man. It's just another sharing, you know. Uh, as I, I, I at that time I was also you know thinking about getting somebody to write for me, uh, and I approached this person. Uh, this person, you know, uh, she has been a ex reporter before, and uh, she was and she was not free, so she couldn't write for me. And and she recommended some other people to to, to write, uh, and I actually checked them out as a ghostwriters and all that. Mm. And anyway, uh, when I eventually told her that I finished the book. You know, then I, I, I we, we, we talk about it. You know, the first comment, the first remark she made to me was, "You mean you, you mean you guys survived the the the, the, the whole conversation?" <laughs> and then you know, from from her experience, they say it's it's actually not easy. You know, to, mm. to have two person writing a book, and you know, uh, her experience will tell actually tell her that you know it's uh, you know there's a lot of this tension and the mm. conversation and all mm. that. I was. I was like, mm, okay, that that didn't happen to us, mm, you know. Mm, but you know, no. he actually make the comment and say, "You might, you guys survive that." I said, "Yeah, mm-hmm. okay." It was so nothing, nothing. <laughs> <laughs> there was there was no knife stabbing and yeah. uh, fox stabbing, yeah. all this kind of thing between that's both. A, no. That's inside yeah. me. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so okay, so now let's get into the book, right? So what uh, so what what I like to do is to read uh, maybe an excerpt in your mm. book, mm. and I like to uh, you know find out why it's in there, right? So under on page twenty three, right? Design your career like a game. Yeah. So career design need not be some intricate process that requires five dimensional thinking and planning for every single conceivable contingency. Instead, it may be the best to consider. It may be best to consider your career as a single player game. In this game, you face no competitor, and your sole aim is to achieve your targets. Really, career is like a game. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Exactly, exactly. It, it, perhaps many, many don't think it like a game, but I, mm. I, my thought is that people should think it like a game. Right. Now, why? Um, if you look uh, at any sports, okay, for the sports to be successful, yep. uh, generally, there's a lot of planning. Yeah. Okay, there's a lot of practice, there's a lot of planning, and the, the, the planning actually uh, involves, uh, like example, if you go to a top-level uh, competitive sport, uh, you talk about diet, Okay, you talk about exercise. You talk about uh, you talk about discipline. Uh, you talk about uh, strategy, uh, especially if you are if you have a, a game that involves an opponent. You you will study the uh, the, the way how it's played. Uh, you, you and you will have a long term strategy. Example, if you want to talk about Olympic, all right, mm. uh, how do you want to qualify for Olympic? Then you go to regionals. Then you go to states. Then you go to nationals. And you go to region. You know, you go to uh, state and, and, then, and all that. You yeah. know, so that, that that that's a lot of planning and there's a lot of strategy involved. Uh, and I'm saying that why can't you do it in Korea? Mm. And I find that uh, when you when people think about Korea, it's a lot of time. Uh, it's almost like a accident. 
uh, if you if you if you if you meet a good boss, oh, and I'm lucky. If you go in a good right company, oh, I, I you know lucky. Or you got right colleague, right right environment. Or if not, then you say, oh, my colleague is bad, or my boss is bad, and all. But it's, it's almost like uh, everything is happening by chance. Mm. And I'm saying you, know, you shouldn't bet that, that that way. If you think like a game, there's no chance. You yeah. you, you actually create your own uh, luck and, and chance. Okay, and it can it can be done. And and I think when you design the career. Mm. Rather than leaving it to chance, you actually have option one, two, and three in a way. Yeah. Is that is that along the and and not only that, yeah. and and you you have uh, you create multiple options, obviously, mm. but it, when you when you when you plan something, okay, part of the planning is that you not only plan for success, you also plan for potential failures, mm. and you also plan for contingency. Okay. Okay, and you develop all, all that. If this is not happen, what's the next course of action? Okay, mm. and you should because uh, in a game, you notice that that most games also have time limitation. Mm. All right, like in the game is a soccer. Okay, you got ninety minutes. Okay, uh, when you're down, what what you, you when you're down in points, what do you do? All right, so you have to fix. Mm. All right, and in 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 Korea, it's the same thing. Uh, if, if you land with a company that is not right and all that, what do you do? You don't sit around and just wait wait it out uh, and wait for something good to happen and mm-hmm. wait for something to come. No, because you are on a clock. Okay, if you are age 31, okay, next year is going to be 32. You're not, you're not going to go back to 31. Correct. Okay, so everything is working against you and your life is not stopping at the same time. Mm. You know, this year you're single and next year you may get married and then you got to have children and all that. You don't turn back the clock. Mm. So every time something happens to your life and there's a certain dynamism involved and your career, you know, there, there will be some impact on your career as well. So, and now all this has to be factored in. Yeah. Okay. You don't turn back so, the clock. You just move with the clock. So true. And I need, maybe I want to get Sakib's mm. thought because both of you are coaches. Yeah. And with this principle and you practicing your coaching and executive coaching, based on a rough feel or a, 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 a rough numbers, right? How many people that you meet in your coaching and your training in the corporate sector actually design their careers? Five percent, ten percent, twenty percent, or eighty percent. Surprise us. <laughs> I do. Well, uh, uh, yeah, carry on. I, I think it's it's hard to get an exact number, but I would say it it likely is uh, just a, a fraction of uh, the people you meet. Now, uh, I, I've said before to Meng Chai that um, you know I, I think most people, rather than design their careers, uh, prefer to manage their careers. Mm. And yeah, so so the idea of managing your career is uh, just essentially uh, put things on a bit of autopilot okay. where you just have to tweak here and there. Mm-hmm. You have to uh, uh, over uh, have a sort of supervisory role of your career, but essentially it it's it's already running. Mm. Whereas design is a very sort of intentional process and a very proactive process. So the when we say design. Uh, what, what I try and think of is how many people have a very sort of proactive and sort of self-empowered approach to mm. the way they look at their career, okay. where a lot of the activity and development is being done based on their own impulse rather than, you know, coming from a company or coming from uh, some reaction to a market force. So, for example, if, if you feel that you uh, need to be trained in a certain skill Mm-hmm. Uh, in order to be competitive uh, in the job force. Now, that can uh, come from your own impulse. That can come from your own uh, research and uh, your own desire to 
just remain uh, at a level that's competitive. Or it could come from, you know, your company mandating that you have to do a certain training. It can come from the, the fact that you've you've tried to interview at a number of places and then you found out that uh, you're not suitable because you lack a certain skill. So one case, it's a very sort of proactive approach. Uh, the other is it's an approach that's sort of enforced upon you. Mm. And uh, in my in my experience, uh, there are very few people who take a sort of proactive approach. Uh, generally speaking, as a human tendency, we to, we want to take uh, an approach where things are sort of easier for us. Understand. And uh, the problem with that is that for a, a, a big chunk of the workforce, by the time they reach a sort of mid-career level, uh, that approach will won't pay you know the dividends that they want, and um, a lot of people end up being disaffected and want to look towards other options. And that's mm. somewhat of our thinking behind the book is uh, catered towards those individuals who Understand. have sort of their career hasn't gone to their expectations, primarily because they took an approach that uh, unfortunately put a lot of the responsibility on others rather than themselves. Mm. Great, great point. And you know, the, the reason why I ask is because um, I think it's not natural for the workforce to actually design this. And I wanted to understand the behaviors and the thinking of what's stopping most individuals from coming into this. What was the mindset? Is it, is it because they lack uh, the knowledge or the awareness that you can actually design it? Or was it more of... Um, Oh, the system is overpowering that I just go with the flow. You know, I mean, what 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 is the thought process? I mean, from your ex both experiences as coaches, you know, and also writing the book and designing your careers, is it? I would link back to that one as a principle to link back to the principle one in the book, um, where we I talk about a career as a business, mm, which okay. is a good segue to the next part, the next yeah. question actually. And, and the reason <laughs> I say that is because if you are if you are thinking about the business, mm. most times whether you like it or not, you start taking ownership of it. Mm. So if you are a plumber, okay, uh, you figure out all the things you need to do. Like example, you need to get clients. Okay, yeah. you need to think about how much you charge. You need to think about what skills you have in order to solve the problems. Or, or of the tools client. you need to buy. Tools you need to buy. Yeah. You know, you you don't wait for the client to tell you what to do, <laughs> yeah. how yeah. to do, yeah. you know, and when to do. You, you just don't do all that. Yeah. Uh, but the moment you employ employee mindset is like oh. You tell me what I should do. Where's the SOP? Yeah, when when I should go uh, to go for training. Even you pay for the training, they yeah. don't even go for the training. Yeah. Example, yeah. Uh, when I should improve myself, you know, or if at all the company will say, okay, you deserve so much, or this is uh, this is your 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 promotion, and all. it's like everything they surrender to the company, all because they are thinking as an employee. Mm. But the moment you think as a, as a business owner, it in take charge of your own career. And all the things that you just talked about, and think like a sports already, because you take ownership, you yeah. want to go ahead, you take control of, of the things. Mm. Okay, so it starts from there. Mm. Mm. Right. I, uh, yeah. Just to tail off uh, Meng Chai's uh, point, so uh, I I do think that you know growing up we have a sort of blueprint that society gives us. Yes. Uh, which which tells us you know that okay, after you complete your education, you get a job. You work to get a promotion, you know, eventually you, you make your way up a certain uh, corporate ladder, etc. And, uh, you know, hopefully you get the, the golden watch before you retire. I mean, it's a very sort of <laughs> yeah. standard uh, template. 
And a lot of that template, I think, is based off a, a sort of a different uh, era where you had people who could work for companies for 20, 30 years, mm. uh, almost in perpetuity, right? And that would be the expectation. And um, the idea then was that uh, you your career is sort of set within the company. So you, you're just thinking in terms of that uh, ladder that you need to just progress along. And, you know, it's understandable that in that, those type of situations, a lot of the onus is uh, on career development will be based just in that company. But what we find is that, you know, in, in especially in the modern work workforce, that uh, because of many economic factors, but also because of just the mobility and the options available to people is that, uh, that it's it's a lot more flexible now, yeah. and that those people who are self starters, those people who are uh, internally motivated, tend to be uh, much more dynamic and much more uh, upward mobility, upward mobilized than you know the rest of the workforce. So that uh, social blueprint, unfortunately, uh, lacks a lot of the uh, validity now. And uh, it's important for us to to address that, I think, and to tell people that they have to think in terms of uh, their own internal drivers um, towards their own career development. I think that's the sort of idea behind the principle of uh, your career is your business. Mm. And uh, this principle is something that, you know, Meng Chai and I actually discussed probably more than any other principle, mm. I, I believe, because to, to, to sort of really understand it for, for me as when I was writing to understand it uh, from an outsider perspective, right? Because the, the, the first uh, connotation you get from the word business, if you're, you know, somebody who's not a business person is that, okay, it's, uh, it's about profit loss and, you know, balance sheets, these type of things, right? So you can lose a lot of people just in thinking of that <laughs> uh, principle in, in, in those terms. But I think what we mean by saying your career is your business is that, uh, with a business, uh, the onus is on you, yeah. right? And a lot of the uh, determinants of success will be based on the amount of input that you put. And that that's the idea behind saying that your career is your business. So um, thinking of it in those terms, I think, can help crystallize for people what they need to do. Yeah, actually, I, I I would love to quote a book uh, that I'm pretty sure you guys are familiar with, The Startup of You by Reid Hoffman. I don't know, sure. Oh, uh, so uh, he's uh, Reid Hoffman's the founder of LinkedIn, mm. and the mm. uh, the um, concepts that you guys espouse about you uh, thinking of yourself as a business was actually uh, quite well mentioned in that book as well. Because if you think of yourself as a startup company. You have to figure out things on your own. You have to figure out how to network. You have to figure out the value, how to put yourself valuable to be on the table and all those things. And I think that it, it's great that you guys bring it in that, into that concept because a lot of people just take the end value of their salary. But in terms of thinking of it as, let's just say if you're a professional and you want to get paid higher man hours, does that thinking process actually happen? Because you know, if you're a doctor, you're just a normal GP, how you get paid higher, think of being a specialist or as an engineer, right? Uh, if you get your, your professional engineering certification and you get paid higher because you sign out drawings and things like that. And um, I think people just go with the flow, what they see in the seniors doing, but really to design it as a business, I think that's somewhat lacking. And 
I think Sakib, you pointed a very good point about when you talk from a concept or an angle of a PNL, right? A lot of people just like, yeah, it's very hard for people to yeah. imagine unless they're already business owners themselves, right? Yeah. But those are not the people right. you're talking to, right? Yeah, exactly. You you, you think about um, the conditioning, yeah. okay? Let's say, for instance, in school, uh, even when you take courses, uh, when you go to university, you take courses. Like if you are going to study, become an accountant, yeah. lawyers, engineers, whatnot, okay? They yeah. are specific profession. Yeah. So let's see an example as an accountant. I, I come from an accounting background. So what they do is that they get a qualification accountant. So they go in, they join an organization. They're thinking about, I do the job of an accountant. Mm. Okay, now that's fine because you're skilled, you're trained, you're trained in that area. So Correct. you become an accountant. Doing the word accountant doesn't mean you have to think like an account, uh, just an, as an accountant. Mm. The working part is what you do. The thinking is that you're always thinking about the business. Mm. Okay, like example, when I say you think about the business is when you're working in an organization, you, you try to always think the whole organization as your business. Mm. Then you will start to, to do the things that helps the business rather than just do the part which you are trained to do. Understand. If you are a, a, a plumber, you, you are not only looking at the, if you have a water leakage and you go and solve the problem, okay? But along the way, if you find there are other problems that the client is facing, you will not keep quiet about it. Yeah. It's like your whole, the reason why the water is leaking is because your pump is overpressurized or something that is causing the whole, you will try to solve the pump yeah. problem as well, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. I, 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 and I was sharing, uh, you know, in, in, in during my book launch and that, there was, I hired this plumber because my pipe burst, okay, my yeah. water tank burst, and then I was overseas and he came and fixed the pipe and all that. And, and remotely, we worked with each other and said, okay, you got the thing fixed. They said, yeah, the tank was sitting in the roof, okay? okay. So he got the thing fixed. They said, by, by the way, I'm already in the roof. Can I take a, take, uh, take a look at the roof to see whether there's any leakage or not? Ah. If there is, I can help you repair it because I'm already on the roof. Yeah. Yeah. And he did that, you yeah. know, he said, yeah, you know, I, I, I took a look at the roof and then there are some uh, cracks and all that. I, can, you, do you want me to go and repair it? I said, sure, yeah. by all means, yeah. you're already up there yeah. and get it done. Yeah. I, I'm happily paid it, yeah. paid him. So now he got my problem solved, okay, and which I'm happy, I'm happy paid. And he, he, you know, he, he got, got extra income. He got extra income. <laughs> and all because he's not just thinking as a plumber. Mm. You know, he was up there, he repairs the roof as yeah, well. Yeah, okay. Yeah. And because he took ownership of his business. That's right. All right. Fan fantastic. So <laughs> I know one word both of you all mentioned quite a bit in the book is this thing called employee mindset, right? And you know, John and I we use this term a lot when we have discussions and, <laughs> yeah. and all that. And um almost to a point that it's becoming a little bit derogatory. <laughs> yeah. So apologies for that, not, but it's, yeah. not a, it's not a very good thing. But <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I just want to get both of your thoughts, right? Maybe starting with Saki. What is the employee mindset? And then as an extension how do you uh, jump out of it? See, again, yeah. it's derogatory term, right? How do you, how do you get out of it <laughs> and things like that? So, Sakib. Yeah, I, I, I guess it wasn't really intended to, yeah, to yeah, be course. framed in a, in a negative sense, but it can be perceived that way, I can yeah, understand. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the idea of the employee mindset is that um, you as sort of a professional uh, approaching uh, your career in the sense where you you have a sort of subordinate position in your own sort of development. So the idea of an employee uh, viewing themselves as an employee sees themselves as sort of a, a lesser person in a transaction uh, with the employer, right? So the employee uh, mindset relates to somebody who uh, feels that the, uh, the driving force behind their career development or their, um, you know, their monetary compensation, et cetera, comes from the uh, at the behest of the employer, 
Hmm. So uh, we use the term employee mindset to just relate to the fact that uh, somebody feels that they're on the lesser end of a work uh, transaction. Um, now, you could be an employee uh, working for an organization uh, and the terms of which you're working for are completely suitable and very uh, beneficial for you. I mean, we wouldn't say that that person is necessarily suffering from an employee mindset. Mm. Our our term is is used mainly for people who feel they're at a subordinate position in relation to uh, their uh, their exchange or their transaction with the employer. That's the idea. Mm. Uh, Meng Chai, if you wanted to add to that, yeah. Um, the word derogatory. Uh, it's uh, because you're thinking from the uh, employee's perspective. Yeah. Okay, so, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's what that, that's the term they use because they, they are looking down on their employees. Yeah. And they're this employee mindset. Yeah. So uh, let's see whether this one makes sense. Um, if, if you are thinking transactional, mm. all right, is like, I do something for you, you do something for me. I do something for you, do something for me. That's transactional. So, you know, Malaysia has this, uh, this pastime, mm. you know, we call it pasamalam. Yeah. Ah, yes. Okay. We call it a night market. All right. Now, if you if you if you patronize night markets, okay, and if you look at the way the transactions happen, now what is the typical uh, uh, habits of the you know customers patronizing night markets? Bargaining. Yes. The first thing they talk about is always bargaining. Yeah. But when you talk about bargaining, okay, just so just look at the the thinking about the merchants, okay, the hawkers over there. So what kind of pricing they normally do? It's already almost rock bottom. No, no, when they sell. Oh, when they sell, they will probably... Yeah, they, 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 will, they will give you the highest price. Yeah. All right. Now, you you ask yourself, why do they give you the highest price? Because the, they already preparing themselves for the onslaught of the bargaining. Exactly. Yeah. And then, then, then the conditioning of the, of the customers is, is okay. Because you always <laughs> charge very high price, yeah. you force me to bargain because that's the natural tendency. Okay. Correct, so correct. therefore, you will charge high price and my job is to bargain you down mm. so that to find, to find a price. And the, the, way, the, the, more, the more this culture, uh, what you call continue, yeah. okay? And the more they would they would do this, and yeah. and this this happens in almost every kind of uh, markets like this. Mm. Even when you go overseas and all that. That's right. Now, the reason for that, if you look at it, is because the the, the hawkers, the merchants over there, don't expect to see you anymore. Mm. Okay, it's a one-off. It's a one-off deal. It's yeah. a one-off deal because look, you you are curious. You're gonna walk past here. I don't know you. You don't know me. Okay, this is the first time. This is the only opportunity I have to charge as much as you can, right. as I can. And then you, as the customer, says, "I'm not gonna pass here," and I will try to bargain it down. Yeah. Okay. So now think about this, and it happens often as well. You bargain it down. You buy the price, fifty percent discount. Okay. You buy. It. Then you walk three store later. You find the price even cheaper there, <laughs> and that happens as well. Yeah. yeah. And where I want to kind of get employees will start thinking is this, okay? If you maintain that kind of mindset, you will always have this the relationship with your company. Very transactional. Very transactional. And I want to want to get them to think about investing. Mm. I want the people to invest in each other. Company invest in you because they think long term. Yes. You invest in a company. You because you think long term. Correct. So when so when 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 the company invests in the in the employee, what do they do? Okay, they coach, they provide training. Correct. They provide or work uh, opportunities for you to, to test out your new skills and all that. That's what they invest in you. Mm. And how do you invest in a company? Okay, you invest in company because you do more. Yeah. Okay, don't just do what you've been asked, but do more. Okay, uh, do what even you ask, give, give ideas, give suggestions and all that. And participate 
in the the, the business itself. Mm. And then you in the way you're investing in each other. Yeah. And that's what happens, okay, if you see mature business, what they do is that they invest in each other. Yeah. So the night market approach is one one type of malam approach. But when you see the, the other business, okay, where you see the art market, they invest in each other. You come, they they look after you, all that. Okay. So it's all about investing. Mm. And it's great that you bring up this point about uh. co-investing in each other because back to your two principles earlier about um, your career as a business and that your um, career, uh, the previous point was with regards to career by design, sorry. A lot of employees in the SME markets in Malaysia will keep on complaining. I I don't know about the US, but a lot of uh, SMEs, they will complain, oh, my employer never sends me for training. I only do... Basic mandatory. You, I'm pretty sure you guys hear this all the time if, right. if you train, right? So <laughs> I see Ming Chai has a very good. So what would be, you know, I, I would love to hear both your opinions about, you know, someone in that scenario, fight or flight, or can they design a career out of it in a way? In, in fact, yeah. in in. Uh, what I've been doing for the past 10 years, yeah. okay, where I, I'm involved in, in conducting, you know, for facilitating workshop and all that, yeah. uh, to my surprise, a lot of companies are actually putting a lot of investment in, their, in, 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 the, in the people, mm, okay? Mm, mm. Uh, you know, they organize workshop and all that. They give you top class because uh, the hotels with good food uh-huh. and, you know, uh, the, the, the workshop is literally not cheap. Mm. And what I have uh, to my so-called disappointment mm. is sometimes, you know, you, you have a, uh, a workshop designed for 20, only four turn up. So, it's, mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's not that yeah. organizations are not investing, okay? But sometimes you find the attitude of the employees themselves thinking that, you know, you know, oh, uh, it's another training. Or, uh, it's yeah. another training. I got no time. I got work. And now maybe it's their fault. Maybe it's not their fault because maybe they, you know, they are, the, the work is such that it's not rearrange and nobody give them the, the uh, idea about what is this course about, how it's benefit to your organization. Mm. I mean, it, 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 it's not about just them, but it's the whole way of thinking. I and see. Working, I, see. Know, I see. Uh, to get them to go. But that's another thing that uh, which is unfortunate. Uh, let's say you, you just brought the idea about SMEs. Yeah. You know, SMEs uh, traditionally, because they, you know, um, spending money is something that they are very conscious about. Correct. So investing in people, they, they, you know, they always scratch their heads and say, why should I invest? If I invest in this person here, this person after that, he, he leaves or quits, I will have a problem. Yeah. You know, but, you know, and that is not in just uh, Malaysia, but it happens a lot of places anyway, as well. Anyway, yeah, yeah. And there is this saying, you know, uh, and it's a joke, yeah. okay? Uh, the CEO, you know, is mentioning uh, this to someone and says that, you know, what's the point of investing in my people and they leave? <laughs> well, somebody <laughs> make a counter argument and say, yes, imagine if you don't invest and they stay. Uh, <laughs> oh, that's a good one. I love yeah. that. I mean, I love that. I mean, you think about this, okay? <laughs> I mean, you, you got a dilemma, okay? You yeah. invest and you worry, you better leave, but if you don't invest, you, they stay. <laughs> It's like it's like there's two. It's like uh, you know, if you do this, you die. Here you might die. Pick the door that you might die. Right? <laughs> you gotta figure out you know what yeah. you want. Actually, Let's I love that comeback where it's like yeah, yeah. <laughs> Isn't yeah. it? You you gotta figure out. And I'm saying that why do you have to play lose lose game? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Okay. Nobody nobody wants to take the risk, ma. You see. Yes. But yeah. some someone has to be willing to stick their neck out a little bit to be able to to gain the you know. Actually. Yeah. Th- my preferred method is this. Mm. My preferred method is this, okay? 
why I want to write this book. And when I talk about take charge, don't wait. Mm. As an employee, it's to your advantage if you invest in yourself. Mm. And this is the advice I give to my children. Mm. Okay, I give my children, I say that, and I do this myself as well, yeah. you know, uh, invest 10% of your gross income, okay, every year mm. on yourself, regardless of whether the company invests in you. Wise advice. Okay, you either invest yourself in the personal growth. Okay, you read books, you attend seminars. I don't care what uh, what's, what type of seminars you have to attend, what yeah. kind of books you have to read, as long as you read and you attend seminars. You you take ownership to invest in yourself. If the company invests in you, you know, bonus. Bonus. Yeah. Actually, I, I have a personal sharing before I get mm -hmm. to Sakib, right? The principles that you just mentioned, right? I have practiced it since I was 17. And I didn't do it in a way consciously. I just did it subconsciously because I was just curious. Yeah. I was just curious to learn about things. And it has worked wonders to, for me. Lah. And, and you know, it's great that you bring this up because a lot of the people that MJ and I meet and even uh, people that, you know, who are students and now are our business partners, actually a lot, adopt a lot of these principles. They invest in themselves. They're willing to, you know, the, the guy who's helping us up with our production and improving our quality, He's a budding uh, a producer of short films and he invested in himself. He, he didn't wait because he's a freelancer. Who, who are you going to wait? You, you're not going to wait for Sony Pictures to sponsor you, <laughs> yep, yep. right? <laughs> so, yeah, so, so Sakib, sorry, I hijacked. Uh, yeah. Any, any oh, thoughts no, on this? No, 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 I think it was a, a good exchange. Um, yeah, so I, I just want to address one more uh, point regarding this idea of the employee mindset. Yeah. So, uh, I know that there there will be some out there who think, you know, that, look, there's an obvious um, power dynamic uh, at play when it comes to an employer and employee, mm. right? And uh, the idea is that, okay, you know, we can't just ignore the fact that an employer may be in a, a certain power totem pole is higher placed than an employee, etc. Well, the, the idea I think that we're trying to get across with avoiding an employee mindset is to... Uh, remember that you know you have your own sort of value as well. Otherwise, mm. if you if you are valueless, then you wouldn't be employed in the first place. You're de yeah. delivering some form of value to that employer, right? Otherwise, uh, again, what what are you there for? Yeah. So uh, I've seen you know when I've worked in different teams that uh, this sort of employee mindset sort of manifests in many ways when it comes to even engaging with certain supervisors that you would have employees who don't even want to engage on a on a one to one level, mm. feeling that wow. sense of a power differential uh, with uh, with those who are higher up. And I think that th those employees who have more of a sense of their own value and are more comfortable in their own skin and uh, in their own career development find it much easier to uh, move upward simply because they're able to engage with the higher ups and even their employer uh, on a basis that is more level. Yeah. And I think right. that's important right. uh, when we address the uh, employee mindset. It's not to say that, you know, uh, th these are just completely equal parties in transaction. It's just to say that, uh, you know, you're, you're also delivering value. It's not just that your uh, employer is being charitable by giving you an income, mm. uh, which uh, sometimes I think subconsciously a lot of employees sort of feel that. Uh, yeah. And I think that's kind of unfortunate. Um, I wanted also to just make a quick point about the structure of the book because we're we're talking here about the uh, principles uh, 
and uh, just so the viewers know, uh, the way Meng Chen and I, we, we structured the book is, as a sort of blueprint for how to design your career. And we start with seven uh, career design principles. Mm -hmm. And the reason we started with these is that we feel that actually uh, these principles are sort of encapsulated in people who successfully design their career, whether mm -hmm. it's intentionally or unintentionally, because of course, as you mentioned, you know, uh, some of these principles you've already adopted even without giving it a name per se. So what yeah. we've done is we've sort of given it a name and we've list, listed down certain principles that we feel are uh, intrinsic to a, a well-designed career. And uh, the book is, it, they form the sort of foundation of the book. And along with those principles, we have a certain number of also strategies. We call them career design strategies that are more sort of practical practical deliverable sort of tips of how you go about um, working in your career in, in different areas. It mm. can be your own development. It can be related to work-life balance, uh, income, uh, and uh, how to deal with bosses. So though there's that, that's a more practical section of the book. And the design principles are things that are uh, deeper and they relate to you know your own psychology and your own approach uh, that you're going to take. So I, I just wanted to give a, a sort of outline of that uh, for viewers who are curious about what the book structure is about. Uh, more importantly, if you more if the viewers are more curious about the book structure, yeah. uh, get the book. We'll come to that. I, I, I have a question about uh, the practical side of things. Yeah. Um, I, we'll talk a little bit about that uh, later in this discussion, but just want to get your thoughts on what you mentioned just now about that power dynamic where some people would even put themselves in the conversation of, you know, dealing with uh, superiors and whatnot. Yeah. Um, and I know both of y'all use this word in the book, which is a self-limiting belief, mm. right? So what practical steps will you, advice will you give for people who uh, perhaps are in that category of, I'm not good enough, basically, uh, to step out of that, to say, hey, maybe I should start negotiating. Maybe I should start showing the world that I have value because, and, and this is probably more applicable to an Asian context where the mindset of, and I want to link this to, to another principle, which is that our oh, hard work and talent. As long as I'm hardworking and I'm talented, you know, people are going to see my value. I don't need to push my way and to shout about my value, right? And I, I probably don't have the confidence to do it anyway. What, what would you say uh, to this person? Uh, I want to give an analogy. Yeah. All right. If I'm going to ask, you know, if, if I have a room full of people and I'm going to ask them and say, have you heard of McDonald's? How many people will say yes? Most people. Almost everyone will say yes. All right. So they know about McDonald's and they heard about McDonald's. So my question is this. If everybody had heard McDonald's and if I ask them again, I say, do you, would you know what McDonald's represents or what, you know, uh, what industry are they in? Would they know? Mm, yeah. I'm sure they would know. So here's the, here's the thing. If they know McDonald's, what the McDonald's is about, what it represents, and it's in the food industry, and what, so uh, do they have the best, most healthy food? No, nope. Uh, 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 is the, the 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 what do you call uh, the, the the product they sell the cheapest? No, no. Nope. Okay, so they know about the they know about the the McDonald's. They know that they are not the most healthy food, the best food, you know, or the cheapest food. So my question is this: uh, Why are McDonald's still advertising every day? Huh. Question. Why? Mm. 
Everybody knows everything about McDonald's. Mm, yeah. Why are they advertising? And they're still advertising. They spend billions. Top of mind. Yep. New flavors. Possible. But sometimes the advertisement doesn't even contain the product. Yeah, product. it's it's a yeah. old it's a old product, right? Yeah. <laughs> so why are they advertising? Hmm. I think for me it will be top of mind. I I'm I'm a victim now because <laughs> every weekend it's uh it's uh the toys. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> I think people. I think kids. people sometimes might forget the taste of filet of fish, perhaps. Okay. <laughs> so here's the thing. I mean, yeah, they're spending a lot of money. Okay. Yeah. So my point is this. Okay, there are always two things in 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 you know if you want to think about career. Number one is there is this thing called you. Mm. Okay. You that means you have to be a good product for someone. Mm. Okay. In either in terms of your service delivery or you are capable of doing something. Mm. All right. So you. By yourself, it must be a good product. So I see the principles as talking about you, like what, what, what Sakib talk about. Okay, the people who are successful in careers, whether by design or by accident, they have all those ingredients in them to be success successful. So mm. we encapsulate them into into principles. The design strategies is more towards saying say that how you position yourself mm. so that people are aware of you. Mm. They see you, okay. They notice you. So mm. not only are you a good product. So, in, 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 and and once you you position that, then uh, this are called positioning. That's why in 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 the book one of the chapter is called being visible. Mm. Okay. So uh, to to answer your question, so so what do you do, okay, when you feel yourself because of your power dynamics, you are you you feel yourself you are not uh, so called uh, you find yourself holding the shorter end of the stick, so to speak. Mm. Okay, change the equation. Okay, well, uh, there are there are a couple of chapters that actually addresses that. Okay, yeah. one is that what is your mastery? Okay, so if you say you're good, okay, so what are you good at? Mm. Okay, what are you known about for? Mm. Okay, so in the case of McDonald's, they are not not known for the best food, okay, uh, for the healthiest food, for the best price. They are not known for any of this. So, but what are they known about? Why people go to them? Speed, speed, convenience, location. Mm. You know. So therefore, what you think is the product is actually not the product. Okay, what they are selling is actually not the product. What they are selling are other things. And say, therefore, as an individual, make that recognition. Okay, what do you represent? What, what, what do you carry as a brand? When somebody mentioned your name, what do you want to be known of? Mm. All right, and that is the part that you, you can control. Understand, understand. It's like, Person A is known to be trustworthy. That means whatever you do, or person B is known to be uh, very meticulous, very detail oriented, or person C is very known to be uh, a speedy turnaround or a troubleshooter. You know that, that branding, like yeah. in a way, like. When somebody mentioned your name, right. okay, what what does it represent? Or mm. say, oh, you think about this one, okay? I think this person is the is the best person to do it. Okay, mm. then you mean something already. Great, mm. great. Yeah, on on that question. Um, that you mentioned uh, regarding self-limiting beliefs. So this is a, actually a term that we got from uh, coaching, our coaching uh, sort of methodology. Mm. And uh, what we find is that there may be people who have all the tools for success, except internally, uh, because of certain beliefs that are ingrained in their mind, mm -hmm. uh, they can't actually break through and uh, get to the ne next level. So self-limiting beliefs are uh, those type of beliefs that may not even be on a conscious level, but that that a person may uh, they they may believe 
and end up causing some degree of uh, limitation and harm in their career. Mm. And uh, we address that because a lot of what we talk about in the, in the book relates to mindset and psychology. It's not necessarily positive psychology, but it is uh, somewhat um, uh, it, it is somewhat related to the the fact that you have to overcome some mental barriers to achieve a certain amount of success, and that means confronting a certain degree of anxiety that you experience, um, which is which is natural. I mean, any anybody who uh, has to move towards next levels of success will have to encounter some degree of anxiety. So anxiety. Uh, to a certain extent, is is actually a good emotion. Mm. Um, it's a sign that you're making some degree of progress. Whereas if you have no anxiety at all, right, it means that you're pretty comfortable where you're at. Yeah. Um, so th- this is sort sort of something that we have to address. And then uh, also on the point of uh, uh, hard work and talent um, being, you know, less considered versus results. Uh, that's something that unfortunately a lot of professionals find out the hard way mm. uh, where uh, again it goes back to that sort of social bl- blueprint that they, they inherit that maybe unfortunately even educators uh, imbibe that type of uh, that type of knowledge which is that okay as long as I stick to the basics and uh, do what my job description tells me to do and I do it well uh, if I keep my head down then, uh, the employer is going to notice my track record and eventually I'll be recognized and I'll be uh, given, you know, a higher post or whatever. And what we find is that, unfortunately, it's really not about uh, just how well you do a specific job, but what what are the actual results that come from doing that work? And taking a more result-oriented approach to your work doesn't necessarily mean you sort of water down the quality of what you're doing, mm. right? You can You can write... A really fine, high-quality report. Uh, you can do uh, a specific task um, very well, but always think back to why are you doing this, right? Which I find, unfortunately, in, in larger, more bureaucratic organizations, uh, that tends to get lost. Unfortunately, mm. the, the the why of what you're doing, right, and what what value is uh, this work for the organization. So always try and remember that. I know that, you know, from my own experience, sometimes when I was doing reports for an organization, you have to do after an activity, you do a report, and I almost treat it as a sort of perfunctory thing, and I'm like, okay, I'm just going to do uh, what I think it would be a good job, mm. but I, I have to I have to remember that, okay, it's actually only going to be read by, you know, a sp- maybe a few different individuals, and what, are those in- what do those individuals want, uh, and I have to think from that approach. So uh, when we talk about that principle of uh, it's not to diminish talent uh, or hard work, I think they they definitely are there. It's just that you have to connect that and be strategic about it uh, with the results that the company is want uh, wants from from the work that you're giving. Mm. And you know there is uh, hard work. There is also smart work. You know if you can marry the two, then of course you're you're a super scion, right? Level <laughs> yeah. of, uh, yeah. uh, but uh, definitely you don't want your hard uh, your hard work to go squandered, and I think that's um, something that uh, uh, Meng Chai, when we were discussing, he sort of hit upon as well. Yeah, and and to your point about that, I'm I'm just gonna go straight to design strategy tour because I think it's very related. 
which is be visible. And you know, I, I, I love the example that you gave about, <laughs> I'm not going to spoil it, so people will actually be forced to read the book. <laughs> I kind of hope for it. But in a way, when your work and is being taken, uh, the credit is being taken for your work from, there is always this uh, either self-limiting or you know, there's a lot of common norms or belief that, oh, you shouldn't you know, stand out. You shouldn't be you know, trying to blow your own trumpet and, and all that. Maybe don't be in the background. I think uh, maybe you guys could elaborate. Maybe Meng Chai, we start with you about related to what we, we all just said about being um, you know, not the self-limiting belief that you can do more, that you should stand out. Yeah, yeah. yeah and how to be visible, I think. That's yeah. Another, yeah, how to that's be visible thing. without being, you know, like, you know. I, there, there are many ways you can be visible, okay? And you don't have to do it in in a way that, you know, like be in the face of people. Mm. I'll give one example. And I, I and, and I this is a this is this is actually a true story. Yeah. Um there was this uh young lady, mm-hmm. okay, he joined one of the top local banks. Okay. Okay. Uh and uh she joined that and she's quite pretty young, okay, in the sense that she just joined after one or two years. But she joined the the the, the sports activities in the bank. I see. Okay. And because the sport activity, like example, they have badminton or, you know, they have games like this. Yeah. And, uh, and because she, she plays badminton quite regularly. Uh-huh. So then she plays just, you know, in the, in the, in the, in the sports activities for the bank. And guess what, you know, in, in there, then you have uh, other senior bank officers or mm, mm, even mm. the, including the CEO, you know, he, mm. he's there to play. And you know, because he's pretty good, he say, you know, he say, hey, you know, so and so, can you come and join me and mm. be my partner? Mm, mm, mm. You just play badminton. <laughs> okay. And guess what? And now suddenly somebody knows your name. Yes. Very high up knows your name and who you are and what you do. And then, you know, even in between games, you can talk and I don't know what you do, all that sort of thing. And then yeah. suddenly, you know, in office, when you walk the time and they see you and say, hi, so-and-so, and how are you? Everybody looking at you, hey, this is a CEO, no? Yeah. <laughs> how you know? How yeah, you know how your name? And, and it was nothing. It was just a game. Yeah. And I'm saying that uh, uh, individuals can do all that, isn't it? Yes. I mean, you can organize the, the 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 annual dinner. Yeah. Okay. You can organize some charity events. You know, the thing is that are you stepping up? Mm. You know, it's not just work. Okay. It's just well, for the lack of a better word, it's just common sense, isn't it? Mm. All right. You can do all these things, and it doesn't take a lot. Mm. Great. Okay. Yeah. Organize more. Let me think. No. Actually, we had a. Uh, Saki, maybe just yeah. to share, we, uh. we had our, f- we had a sports activity. Yeah. And the joke was uh, the people on the futsal court, cumulatively, they managed about uh, close to 100 million. <laughs> I kid <Yeah>. you not. <laughs> it was just wow. a futsal game. And we're just like, okay, roughly uh, it's 100 maybe million. Maybe you should start like tackling them so they can <laughs> yeah. yeah, There you go. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> you know? You, yeah. Yeah, and you think you're nobody, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And all you just take is a single event and yeah. everybody notices you already. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. All right. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. Just to, just to tag yeah. on Meng Chai's point, uh, you know, when it comes to uh, visibility, you know, some of the uh, self-limiting beliefs is, uh, at, uh, is that, you know, okay, I'm, I'm actually not that good Right or it's I'm I'm suffering from imposter syndrome where I think mm, you know correct uh, I don't uh, I don't actually justify this degree of attention that I'm putting on myself right or I'm just faking it right and that uh, unfortunately is very common right and 
uh, it would be great if uh, you know we could reach a level where we say, yes, I feel I'm no longer an imposter and uh, I can put this degree of attention on myself without any degree of anxiety. But uh, in our experience, uh, you know, that's sort of a necessary uh, boundary you have to cross mm. where you have to be comfortable with being with having an uncomfortable degree of attention on yourself. So uh, I would put, you know, a distinction between somebody who wants attention at not in a, in a selfish way, but the, to, to have recognition for their work but is not getting it versus somebody who uh, needs it for, for the nature of the work, but mm. is uncomfortable putting themselves out there. I think that they're, these are sort of two classes of professionals. So in the, the case of the first, uh, they, they need, really, need to really look at the, how they can actually connect and, and uh, communicate about what they're doing in a way that doesn't come across as standoffish and uh, grandstanding. Uh, I've, you know, I have so many, you know, ex-colleagues who I know who uh, were very hardworking and uh, very persistent in their work, but uh, ended up not getting noticed at all by the boss or just being completely sidelined. Mm. And I think that that's uh, that's very unfortunate. But you have a responsibility to make sure that the work that you do is identified with you as well. Right. Mm. That doesn't mean that you uh, you're not a team player at all. It just means that you know, you're putting your face out there, right? And you're not deliberately downplaying your own role. Uh, and you, you, you're effective in at least articulating uh, the nature of your role. Uh, whereas the other person who's uncomfortable uh, putting themselves uh, out there, I mean, their challenge is more related to just uh, being comfortable with being, uh, with being uncomfortable. Mm. And Realizing that they're always going to be on some level uh, suffering from this degree of imposter syndrome. Mm. Um, and many, you know, within our coaching community, we have to sort of as it, when you become a new coach and you want to uh, put yourself uh, in the professional space and sort of get new clients, you have to overcome that barrier. And it's it's not easy, but um, time sort of works its way. Great. Very great. I, I, I want to move on a little bit about, you know, outside of work, right? And I think in Design Strategy 2, is, um, both of you stress the importance of using your skills to build connections outside of work. Why is this important? Uh, remember just now when you mentioned something about power dynamic? Yeah. All right. Power dynamic in the sense that if you keep yourself confined in your area of work, you always have this sense you know, that you're holding, you are you're inferior to somebody holding a superior position, whether it's a boss or organization. Because that's your life, right? That is your- Yeah, uh, they control your salary, they mm. control your promotion, they control your life. And, you know, you one third of your life is in the office. Yeah. You know, so there's a certain sense of, uh, you know, uh, lack of control. Or hierarchy. Yeah, hierarchy or whatnot. Now, when you, when you, when you are able to do something yourself, like example, while you network with outside, you are you can also help the company because of your networking mm. you increase your exposure in terms of knowing what what are the things out there the people out there you if you're network with let's say clients okay you find more clients okay even if you network on the supply side maybe you ex, you increase your 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 options of getting different supplies if mm. you 
when you network, you can also expose yourself as well. Yeah. Okay. Not about who you are and what you can do. And so the opportunity, you, you can also help the company because of your networking, but you also help yourself because in the process of networking, somebody may not notice you and want you mm. for yourself. Okay. So that what will be that there, there, there's not much of a downside. Mm. Okay. Because you can you can also use your personal time to network. Mm. Okay, if you want to have a golf game with somebody, why not? Mm. If you want to go for a, a vacation or go for a, a road trip with someone and you network, deep network with somebody. Uh, and it, it just keep on adding value everywhere. Yeah. Okay, so you are in control then for how you want to help the company and how you want to help yourself. Yeah, great. I just want to share, mm. it just triggered me mm. to share, I want to share this about uh, Li Ka-shing. Mm. Li Ka-shing had a rule and I and I hope I remember the rule correctly. He made a rule that he would spend 10% of his income and meet someone that he wanted to learn from once a month. So he will save up his money. I mean, obviously when he started, it wasn't, wasn't too, too well off, but he made it a rule that he would spend 10% of income treating the person he wanted to learn from for lunch and to actually network outside of his, 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 his work and life. My friend have one rule. Uh-huh. Okay, and he's the entrepreneur. Okay. All right. And what he does is that because entrepreneur, you control your own time. Correct. And the biggest fear about being entrepreneur is lack of discipline. Mm. Because you can work out, you can wake up whatever time. Yes. Right. You yes. are in control, okay? Yes. You are the boss, right? But here he maintains the discipline. He says, every day, if I don't have things going on, I will not go home until I meet three person. Ah, interesting. I will not go home until I meet three person. And this three person can be for anything, okay? Uh, it can be either I learn from the person, I share with the person. If not, I just connect and just make friends. Mm. But if I don't meet three person in a day, I don't go home. Wow. Wow. <laughs> so on, so on, number two, thinking. on number two, he'll, he'll find until his wife might have to call him and say, where are you? Yeah, but, but, <laughs> but, but that's the thing, you see, because he fills up his time, mm. okay? That means he will not go home before five. Mm. If he doesn't have anything, if he doesn't meet at least three person. Mm. Okay. And, and, and I'm saying that, just imagine that. And if you, if as employee, you maintain that kind of mindset, okay, like think like, again, like a business owner. Yeah. Okay. And maintain that self-discipline. Can you imagine how much, how much advantage you have? Oh, yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. Exactly. 100%. Yeah. 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 So how about the, the person who, uh, maybe this question will be for Sakim, yeah. right? How about the person who perhaps has a job that consume him a lot. Yeah. So we have friends in auditing, oh, we yes. have friends in finance, maybe tech or whatever. Or even manufacturing that, you know, runs yeah. 24 seven. Whatever, like oil and gas, two weeks yeah. <laughs> offshore. Right? Yeah. Like, um, essentially, you know, t you, you mentioned one third of your, their life is in work. For people yep. like that, it's two thirds, right? Essentially. Yeah. How, how do these people find the time then? You yeah. Know? So keep I mean, that, that, that that goes on to deeper questions of yeah. work-life balance, right? Uh, right? Whether that is a uh, healthy degree of work, if it's going to be so consumptive. I mean, I, I don't, I don't know because if they're satisfied at, at that point um, in in ha being in such a consuming line of work, uh, they would have to make a uh, an equation of what's the opportunity cost of you know the amount of overtime they're giving towards their work versus you know using that in in networking and uh, uh, connecting to others, right? That's that's a, a a big challenge because definitely if if they don't have time to network at all, 
as in zero, uh, you you could start asking how much time do they have for even um, you know the the rest of their personal life. Mm, I think that uh, the the same way you can relate it to uh, investment. Uh, as in financial investment for your future, yes, you can say I'm just too busy to do that, right? But at some point, you know, during your career, there's going to be a liability that you have to pay for not having spent that time uh, investing earlier. Mm. Uh, so you have to see networking in a sort of similar fashion that this is basically the 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 level of professional connections that you build, right? This sort of uh, larger web that you've developed. Uh, this this works towards your advantage, and the, there are so many cases of people who don't have this larger web who who suffer later on uh, simply because they don't have a backup, for example, or when they when it comes time to them to look to different opportunities, there's nobody to recommend them. Mm. Right. So you 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 have to see it, I guess, less as a uh, uh, as an optional. Okay, if it's good, it's good if it's there. If it's not, it doesn't matter. And more as something that relates to long-term uh, career development, and uh, the same way you would do with financial investment as well. I mean, it, it requires a certain degree of discipline because uh, if you if you, if you continually sideline it, uh, you're going to have to pay the uh, the cost of that later on. Mm. So, you know, if if it's on just on practical level, somebody is so consumed with their work. Um, I would I would say for them to even schedule it at least even on a monthly basis if they're able to right to look at maybe professional organizations within their own uh, area if they have uh, associations that uh, meet up where they mm -hmm. can actually uh, occasionally go maybe conferences training seminars opportunities where they can actually meet people in their field and develop that web of connections I think is quite important um, but I'm not sure if I necessarily by the excuse that somebody says uh i just don't have time uh right. at all uh 365 days a year i think that's that's kind of a stretch i think that w when it comes if if something is a priority enough then you make you make the time for it great great um design strategy five um you guys put this as a very good quote you're only as good as your last game yeah this is uh i i i i just want to share on this point as well and why i included this is because I am a casual weightlifter. So I know this is an incredibly powerful principle because well, what ends up happening is that people start comparing. And you tell me whether I'm getting it right when it comes to the way you guys interpret this quote, right? And that is, you know, when you weightlift, you don't try to weightlift heavier than the other guy. You weightlift, um, or rather, or rather, if you hit the targets of your weightlifting, you shouldn't be too excited about it. And it's always on to the next goal, on to the next goal, on to the next goal. Am I getting your interpretation right? Or maybe there's more? I use this as a sport analogy. Yeah. If you look at a competitive sport, okay, and you think about, let's say, you know, in a, you, a lot of people follow the British soccer. Okay, ah, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. English right, Premier right, League, okay? Right. If you look at the way they treat the coaches, all right, you try to lose a game. <laughs> <laughs> okay, you like, and you try to lose two games. Okay, you may have a series of successes in the past. Okay, yeah. you try to lose two games. You see what what the but what that the depends on the team. Depends on which team. Uh. Uh, actually, okay, some, some context. Teams, uh, yeah. some context for you, Ming Chai. Yeah. Uh, Man U yeah, fan. So uh, X Man U Liverpool yeah, fan. Yeah, so yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. Okay. So my question is: Are you? Do you? 
how forgiving are you towards the coaches, you know, when they start losing game? Is Sokshir still employed? No, see, it, de it depends on the manager. <laughs> yeah. But I know like, let's uh, use Man United, for example, yeah. because it's, it's always in the news, right? Yeah. Uh, it, it, it all depends on, uh, like, because there's a certain bias. Right? Yeah. So if it's usually like uh, maybe an English manager or, yeah. man or maybe a manager, an ex-player or that, they're yeah. a lot more lenient, right? Mm. Because yeah. there's some emotional connection. Yeah. But if it's some European, so-called maestro, yeah. right? Now, okay, yeah. by game five, you're out. <laughs> okay. <laughs> now, even even if you say there's an emotional connection and all yeah, that, you so give them a chance, but how long can you give them? Yeah. Correct not. So if you can take say, hey, look, you know, last year we had a very good run, you know, and uh, we, 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 we were the champion leagues and all that, okay? But this year, like you say, you know, you try to lose a couple of matches, you, you know the hate may roll. Yeah. Uh, contrary to that, I think the person that lasted the longest without a very, uh, big trophy was Arsene Wenger. Yeah, yeah. No, Arsene, no, but 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 his ending was very very terrible. Yeah, he his ending was ending. yeah. But you see, Arsene Wenger for me never really won a lot of things, but he survived quite long at uh, yeah. Arsenal. But know? if you follow the general rule, oh yeah, 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 yeah that's yeah, right, that's yeah. right. You know, you you won't last long. Yeah. Okay. Uh, your fan will not forgive you. Even <laughs> even Solskjaer, you know, Ole Gunnar. Uh, I used to watch him in my age as a yeah. player, right? I quite admire his. But you know. What I hear about Menu today is it's Sokshir still having going to have his job, you yeah, know? Yeah, yeah. And he's only like what game four, four, five? No, no, no. I, I mean the new coach. Uh, uh, no, I mean how long did Sokshir uh, lost? How many times did Sokshir lost before? He yeah, got, about I think three to four times yeah, yeah. since in a row. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And I'm saying that we, if you start thinking like that, then you're 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 playing the thing like a game. Uh, right. Let me let me ask all of you yeah. as um, uh, I'm, I'm not sure about Saki, yeah. uh, but uh, as married men, right? Do you find this to be true <laughs> as well? Do you find that what you've done for your wife uh, in the past a uh, few decades, uh, and you made one mistake, you made one mistake today, everything's forgotten, nothing counts. Okay. <laughs> the, and for this, we apply, we apply, okay, uh, we apply uh, what we call the seven habits. Okay. Uh, okay. 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 <laughs> I built emotional bank account. Uh, e, -E, -banking, uh, uh, e banking, emotional okay. bank account. Why? Because uh, when you when you develop a relationship, you always build emotional bank account. Yeah. And the reason why you survive conflict is because you got high emotional bank account. Yeah. Mm. Right. Okay. Stephen Covey says that. Okay? Yeah. yeah. Uh, so if you have a high emotional bank account, you can draw down and it doesn't hurt the relationship. I see. Okay. And that's fine. Keep the savings rate very high. Yeah. For six months. <laughs> well, yeah. Six months. Yeah. Right? That's but the... you know there's a limit to the product yeah, yeah, at yeah, some yeah. point. <laughs> yeah. I, 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 just, I just love uh, Meng Chai's uh, investor's approach to relationships. Yeah. Very yeah. Interesting. Yeah. yeah, but how about you, Sakib, about this point about, um, you know, uh, you're only as good as your last last game. I mean, uh, the way the way we sort of interpret it is very similar to don't rest on your laurels, Yeah. Mm. right? Yeah. I mean, I, I think the first is, of course, you should have some laurels to begin with, right? So that that, that helps. But also, uh, yeah, uh, it, just remember that, you know, your the success of your work, I mean, it only is fresh in your brain. Uh, usually uh, for others, it'll be uh, yesterday's news. Of mm. course, that... You know, if 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 it's a responsible employer, uh, they're not going to instantly regret the the work that you do. But the problem is that uh, we have a natural tendency to be complacent, right? Yeah. And uh, that's especially true when it comes to work, right? If you have a major milestone, if you get a major contract, uh, if you achieve, uh, you know, if you secure a big client, etc. 
it, in your mind, you may think that, okay, maybe this gives me some credit for the next, you know, six months. I don't have to really push myself, right? The So we have to sort of resist that natural tendency to be complacent uh, when it comes to our work performance. And I think that is is not easy. Um, but I think if if we can get addicted a bit to this, uh, the success of achieving these milestones, right? Uh, rather than seeing that we have achieved it, okay, that's an excuse to take it easy. Uh, take that bit of sort of rush or adrenaline that you get and use that as a motivation to try and achieve more, right? Mm. I'm not saying become a, a total sex, a success addict, but I'm saying that, um, you know, you have to be able to uh, continually maintain and improve your standards. Uh, so uh, recognize that we all are, uh, we, we all have a tendency to be complacent. Yeah, that's yeah. Uh, the, 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 the thing that we have to be very careful about, right? And, you know, in, in my own experience, I've, I've seen that, you know, you had some employees, for example, who were doing very well, Mm-hmm. And then suddenly management changes or the leadership changes and you have a new leader who's not familiar at all with what that ah. employee has done, right? You start from and, square one again. Yeah, so then the employee has to sort of build their reputation from scratch, right? So these things can be very fickle. Uh, and we have to be aware that, you know, something you did maybe two years ago, which can still be an outstanding achievement, doesn't necessarily grant you a pass, you know, for the future to come. Do you think that that um, this principle of using the past to justify your current behavior is true in reverse as well? For example, you talk about the guy who has a hot hand who's doing really well and then he left rest on his laurels. But what about the guy who's not been so hot, right? Who's been really downtrodden and bad. He's, you know, basically bad luck, whatever. He's not been performing well. And that may weigh on his psychology, you know, not complacent, of course, you know, but in, in reverse where maybe he's a bit down. It's like, he, he don't think he's good enough. Do you think this also applies that, hey, you know, like whatever you've not achieved or whatever you failed at in the past, doesn't really matter. The same way whatever you achieve in the past also doesn't really matter. I use this as a, as, as a an analogy example. Uh, you know, we have four, you know, in some countries, you have four seasons. Yeah, that's right. When you're summer, think of winter. When you're thin, winter, think of summer. Wow. When you're summer, okay, you got to plan for when things don't work well. Okay, yeah. so what do you do? You, again, you don't go complacent. But when you're winter, you got to be hopeful. Mm-hmm. Okay, hopeful that it would not last and yeah. that things is going to turn around. Mm. The only question is that uh, you don't, don't spend time following self-pity. Yeah. Mm. All right. Take firm action and you and you you're coming up again because winter will always go back. The season will change. Yeah. The only question is what do you do when you're there? Mm. Uh, the biggest danger is that when people are in the summer, they forget about the winter. <laughs> they don't plan. Yeah. Okay. Like, like the grasshopper. Lah. Yeah. And when you're with winter, okay, be hopeful. Mm. Got it. Right. I think I think uh, just to add to that, um, you know, I've I've seen that uh, people tend to devalue sometimes their own work also, right? Uh, I think I would say to even a person who thinks that they've just done a mediocre job, right? Just to remind them, even if they do, like let's say they just do the bare minimum of their job description, even doing that consistently, right? On uh, you know, for 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 a certain length of time, itself is a a an achievement 
that they can at least uh, recognize, right? I mean, some people think that doing doing their job itself is is nothing, not not a big deal. But I would say at least it's as, as a bottom level, it's an it's a, it's an achievement that they can recognize uh, that they've done at least something consistently. Mm. Uh, because some people would just say, okay, I, I don't do anything, or they, they, they just completely dismiss what they've done altogether. And I think that uh, is can be a bit unhealthy, um, especially because we we need to recognize even if whatever input we've given mm. uh, towards our career, now we don't need to blow it out of proportion, but we still need to recognize it. Great. Yeah. Design strategy nine, when to quit. Yeah, I think this is the more practical part of the, yeah. uh, you know, yeah, and um, I want to add about um, probably a, a book that I recently read about two years ago, which is uh, Bob Iger. Uh, yeah. He was uh, CEO of Disney. I think he did a wonderful job. Um, then he actually stepped back from a role, his role, and now he's uh, in the chairmanship position. The other person I think I would like to highlight is uh, Ajay Banga, who is the CEO of MasterCard. He knew how to step back. So very related to this, he says, don't overstay your welcome. So maybe your thought process on that actually. <laughs> so you want to go at you want to go at you first yeah yeah uh i mean it sounds it sounds a bit uh yeah threatening right don't overstay your welcome correct, no, correct. The, i i think the idea of uh is that uh you know I, okay so i'm a a follower of cricket right for whatever reason cricket never really caught on in malaysia even though it was a british colony but mm. it, it, it did in uh, pakistan where my family is from so I, i'm a follower of cricket one thing in cricket is uh uh is this idea that you know you have to time your retirement right as a player so they try and encourage people to uh cricketers to retire you know after they've won a major tournament right mm. or when they're in their peak form right because uh the worst thing is you know, uh, having to retire when, you know, you haven't uh, scored any runs for a long time, you know, or after a major series loss, and then the selectors come and they remove you from the team, right? <laughs> so, uh, I mean, to use that analogy, when it comes to when to quit, uh, you you need to first see, okay, uh, is, is your uh, current position, what you're doing right now, is it fitting in line with your goals, mm -hmm. right? Or have there have there been, has there been a divergence, right? Are you just sort of treading water uh, at, at the workplace? Also, you know, uh, the the primary question is 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 are are you getting the value that you need from from the job that you're you're in, right? Great. If 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 you're getting diminishing returns, then uh, that's one sign that either you need to really radically change things at work, or uh, you may need to consider leaving. Mm. Um, one of the things that we're seeing with this uh, phenomenon called the great resignation right now oh, yes. is that um, many mid-career professionals are choosing to, you know, leave sort of steady jobs. And these are jobs that, um, you know, in the pre-COVID economy, they would have probably stuck stuck with, right? But now they're, they're experiencing a degree of flexibility when it comes to the workforce that, uh, you know, we haven't seen in a generation. So the idea of the great resignation is that, uh, you have uh, you have professionals who can see options uh, in different places and don't see a really compelling reason to just stick with the norm, right? Mm. And actually, the great resignation has led to this great flirtation where you have people who are just joining jobs and then quickly 
doing sort of uh, job hopping to the next position uh, mm. to find something that's more their flavor. Now, uh, the question always is, uh, are you getting the returns from the position that you want, right? And, you know, try not to approach a job just for the, uh, the from the aspect of job stability uh, and security, which is a reason I'm not saying that I'm not going to disregard that. But try not to have that be the overwhelming reason to stay in a place, mm. right? Because then you can find that you, I you, see, know, you put you um, put yourself in a, in any, a position every relationship which can be uncomfortable. It's some form of exchange of values. Mm. Okay, you have a relationship with your boss or you have a relationship with the organization, there's an exchange value. So if, if you are receiving values and your value is increasing, okay, and that's good. That means mm. you're benefiting. Or if your company is receiving value from you, they are, they are benefiting. If it's when one side or both sides is have the values being dro dropping, okay, mm. then that that will send you a signal, mm. okay, that uh, at the end of the day this relationship is not working because its value, the the value is diminishing, like what Sakib say. Now uh, the thing is about first of all is recognizing it, mm. okay. Do you recognize that, uh, or is the employee recognizing there's diminishing values either from their side or from the organization side? And if they're going to do something about it, what do they do? Mm. All right. I think sometimes also the, the reflection is not done. And because of that, a lot of people in a way overstay their welcome. At well, this, you're familiar, you're familiar with the term old furniture, right? Oh yeah. 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 We, we, yeah, we, we, so, we call it locks uh, here in Malaysia. <laughs> right. So, I mean, it's, it's actually quite a, uh, it's quite, it's quite a per pernicious term because it's basically saying that you're just occupying space. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and you're not actually giving uh, the company anything aside from the fact that you're, you've been there a long time. Mm. Uh, I mean, you don't want to end up in that position where the overriding reason for you to be in a company is because you've just been there a long time. Yeah. Uh, that, that ends up being very self-defeating. Uh, and yeah, uh, it, it, it's always good to make a, an exit at a time where you, you know, you're, you, you feel your market value is high that, you know, you're actually giving, uh, you know, the company can feel your loss. I mean, that's, uh, in, in a sense, uh, a better time to leave ra rather than you leaving at a time where the company won't notice if you're there, if you're not there. Mm. And you got nowhere to go. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think in the sports world, it's very pronounced. I mean, we've seen my, yeah. we've seen it in Michael Jordan. I think the, probably, I know some F1 fans will hate me, but you know, people like, Sebastian Vettel or even mm. uh, <laughs> I think you're nodding your head you know what I mean right yeah. <laughs> Sebastian Vettel and who's the other guy um, oh, the name just left me I know I know he's he's been uh, he's been there for ages I just he's, he's not won anything over the past few years so it just just overstays the welcome I think yeah it, yeah in sports it's very it's very easy to uh, to see people who are just riding on their fame yeah. Right. Sadly. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. Uh, they they the the strange thing is they would have probably been uh, better remembered as uh, players if they had retired at their peak. Correct. Right. Correct. Uh, so. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Now this this next one I think is very interesting. Which uh, I think uh, if you're uh, if you're working for someone, this is really important, right? Which is to be wary of promises. Mm. Right. And uh, yeah, I I please explain. What, what do you guys decide to include <laughs> this in there? Um, when you work with someone, sometimes you get uh, compliments like, 
oh, great job, very mm. good. Mm. Right, you know? right. And if you get it uh, on a very regular basis, mm -hmm. at the end of the year, does it translate to anything? Ah. Mm. Okay, ah. and if it doesn't, then you, you, it kind of leaves you wondering as to, okay, so what does all that mean? Yeah, just Sweet words. Talk. Words, yeah. Huh? yeah. And uh, you want to kind of see that the words and the actions match. Understand. So, Understand. Uh, j just a bit of a be alert. Be alert to that. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And sometimes this happens in the hiring process, even, right? Yes. yes. You, you, you're going to get vague uh, statements that tell you, you know, oh, yeah, there, there's a lot of, you know, uh, opportunities here for uh, upward mobility, et cetera, et cetera. But you're not exactly sure what that means, right? And uh, once you enter the company, you find that a lot of it was just fluff. Yeah. And uh, unfortunately, uh, you know, unconditional uh, type of promises that don't really get materialized. Actually, I've seen, I mean, personally in my career, I've seen promises made by superiors to their subordinates. And then the superiors get promoted. And then the subordinates just get left behind. Uh, many, yeah. <laughs> I, I'm pretty sure you guys are familiar with that too. So, oh, right. you, you stay, you work for me, you deliver all this. And then the guy gets, uh, the supervisor gets promoted and the guy- oh, How do you snuff this out, right? How yeah. do you beforehand as uh, maybe, you know, again, going back to that power dynamic, right? Because this all this issue arise out of you being in a smaller position of power. How do you actually like snuff out in advance as, as much as possible? that you're being played, essentially. Um, okay, this this goes back to self-awareness. Mm. Okay, mm. the self-awareness part reminds you of that. When somebody says uh, whatever good thing that they, they, they can talk about you or compliment yep. you, yep. but do you have a reality check? Mm. Do you do a self-reality check? Okay, do, are you really worth that much? Mm. Okay, uh, now a, a simple way normally if I would advise somebody you know, to, to do a reality check is this, okay, are you a flight risk? Ah. Okay, now if an organization see you as a flight risk, that means they really value you because mm. if you leave, they feel that, that something sense is lost. of loss, that something is lost, okay, their, their, their business, some part of their business will, will suffer as a consequence. So, and you need to know that, mm. okay? But if you kind of don't sense that you're a flight risk, okay, then, you need to be aware of the value. And if everything is said about you, how good you are, and, and, and nothing happens after that, uh, you, 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 you really to be, have to be on your toe. Mm. Okay, and that's the other part of the, all the other chapters we have to kick in. That means never leave one thing, mm -hmm. um, or never do only one thing. Understand. Okay. Um, yeah. Uh, I, I would also add to that is that um, uh, one is to not get uh, swept away by praise or any yep. any of these uh, uh, statements, right? Mm. Also, to to try if if they're gonna give you praise, to have it in a recorded form, uh, <laughs> in your uh, appraisal so, or something written. Right. Yeah. Yes. So so that it's it's actually not just you know um, just between as an interpersonal uh, interaction. Otherwise, it's not really it doesn't really mean as much, right? Mm -hmm. um, yeah. So uh, that that's another. Uh, that's another, I think, tip I would probably add. Yeah. It, it's not a malice, you know. Yeah. Uh, sometimes, uh, because I also look sometimes from a business perspective, is this, let's say, for instance, uh, your boss can make you certain promises. Yeah. yeah. Okay. But the intention is not to to, to betray you and, and not to honor it. Okay. Or... The, the, intention, the intention may be good. But sometimes, unfortunately, 
they may not be in control. Okay, mm, that, let's mm, say the business the circumstances, and they can't deliver. Okay, so, and, but the, the fact remains is that you still have to look after yourself. Mm. Mm -hmm. Okay, so you say that, okay, if you happen to work in a company, okay, like for past five years, it's not doing much, okay, or, or, or you know, trying to trade water. And you still hang around and say, hey, you know, hang around here, you know, the company's going to turn around, going to turn around, going to turn around, but, you know, it's, it's not turning, turning around and then you, I promise you when you stay here, you know, when the company turn around, we're going to give you the X, this or that, okay. You have to make your own assessment, okay. It's that, yeah. uh, you know, like you say, when yeah. you wait. And, and the details matter. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I would say, uh, if you have that relationship with your boss, to, to try and have a relationship that is real and more matter of fact, right? Mm -hmm. You can, uh, I mean, if you have a boss who you could actually say, look, okay, I am interested in a promotion. I want to know, you know, is, is that something that's in line, right? Uh, is that something just to understand where at least they're at, right? Mm. Sometimes you may have a boss who could tell you, look, okay, it's not going to happen now, right? But, you know, in this next cycle, I, I, I think it, you know, it, it's possible, right? I mean, there's a lot of employees who are just, afraid of even approaching the question. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's so like to that self worth thing, right? I, I, I've in my experience it's better to have more open, frank, you know, conversations with your supervisor where you can broach these issues rather than just keep it understated and then just get frustrated later if nothing happens. Yeah. So let's talk about gossip. Um, <laughs> um before just, gossip yeah. you I, I just wanna get the before gossip this this design strategy that Sounds like almost a, a drug, which is get everyone addicted to you. Wow. <laughs> yeah, it, it's uh, it's it's very clickbaity. <laughs> Sorry to say, it's good. Is <laughs> is good, but also uh, maybe um, a differing opinion about when you volunteer yourself too much, and in a way, people take advantage of you. So because you, you're you putting yourself up, you know, oh, I'm offering myself to do a little bit more, a little bit more here and all that. And then in a way, it, it, it's detrimental to you. What, what would you say to that? Or am I getting this interpretation wrongly, actually? That, that is only one aspect. If you if you volunteer yourself and do this and that, yes, people can take advantage of you, but there's only one aspect of it. Mm. But the idea behind this is not about that. Mm. The idea about it is when, when people are addicted to you, that means you are the go-to person. Mm. Okay, you may be good. You could be a subject matter expert. Yeah. Okay, and whenever they think about this particular, age, and let's talk to John. I think John may have an opinion on this. Mm -hmm. and they can come to you. So, mm -hmm. uh, and and they find that uh, they need your thoughts. Okay. Now, the better part of this is not people coming to you; it's the bosses coming to you. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Let's hear what what John think. Mm. Okay. And uh, then you can see some form of education coming to you, and the other part of the addiction is not just coming to you, but more importantly is you position yourself because of people addiction to you, you're in a position of influence. Mm, got it. Because now they need to come to you because most of the time, the challenge for people is that, how do I, how do I get somebody to do something or, or do yeah. whatever things you want them to do or they listen to you and all that. But because you're such a matter expert and they come to you uh, for different things and, and they are more obliged to, if you work with them, mm. they say that, okay, you know, John, so no problem, I'll, 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 I'll help you on this, I'll help you on that and all that. So now, because people are addicted to you, you are in a better position of influence to Great. get results. Yeah. Great. Yeah. Right. I mean, there's, in any organization, you're going to have a handful of people who are sort of go-to people on yeah. certain things. Yeah. Uh, and, and you can identify them. So it's important to be one of those people 
especially when it comes to particular topics. Mm. Yeah. So um, gossip. Yeah. Look, it's it's just coffee talk, right? What What's so bad about it? Sabina, uh, keep. Uh, what's so bad about it? Yeah. So. Okay, so let's let let's get it out of the way that all of us uh, gossip or have gossiped at some point, right? I mean, I'm yeah. not gonna say that everybody, uh, you know, we're we're saints or angels, right? It's not like, and it's not about being, you know, prudish on this aspect or saying, oh, you know, just be completely benign in the way you talk about people and everything like that. I mean, uh, at a certain point, we have to be realistic. Uh, the the question is, uh, okay, so to to what level, right? And to, uh, what is this tendency? So, uh, if, if we're, if we have a reputation for talking, uh, behind other people's backs about office or even personal matters, right. And that, and we become known to be doing that, that Mm. that's a feature of who we are. Right. Mm. And we're identified in the office as being one of those sort of people, right. That we live for that type of conversation that it's, that, that can be a very negative thing. Mm. Right. And, uh, the, it also goes against, you know, professionalism in general, right? Yeah, yeah. But uh, my own personal experience is has been that there are a certain sort of contingent at any workplace who sort of live just for that, right? <laughs> that um, anything and everything that's the latest sort of office, uh, office gossip yeah. sort of becomes the animating, uh, a- animating energy behind their day, right? And I think that is somewhat very counterproductive. Right. Mm, if mm. it becomes, you know, uh, the 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 sort of uh, main energy behind, you know, a lot of your activity. Right. Yeah. That you're looking forward to having that chat at 4 p.m. Uh, with your mates about, you know, you know, the daily sort of dirt, <laughs> then that's a, that's a bit of a problem. Right. Because it means that, A, you don't have an, uh, better things to do. Right? right. And B, you're definitely going to be identified as being engaged <laughs> in that sort of talk. Right. So how can you expect people to trust you on a professional level, right? Uh, if you're uh, engaged in that sort of thing, even if you are engaged to the extent that you're just known to be listening and just in on those conversations, right? That itself can be kind of uh, dangerous as well. So I'm not saying that, uh, you know, look, let's say if uh, the CEO had some uh, major scandal, of course, Everybody's going to be talking about it. Yeah, but everybody, yeah. you would expect everybody to talk about it, right? You're not. I'm not going to say somebody should be above that. But the question is whether you want to that to be an identifying tendency of of how you go about work. And I think that that's something you would want to avoid, right? And usually, if you're somebody who's really focused, anyways, you're not going to be engaged in that type that's of true. conversation. Yeah, Mingtai, it, it it just the, the um, in in any relationship. The most important currency is trust. Mm. Okay, uh, and the moment trust is taken away, what's left? Yeah. In order to secure secure trust, the moment you gossip, okay, you will diminish trust. That's it goes without saying. Yeah. Now, I would rather suggest to people if you're going to use any form of energy, even like the gossip, I say convert it to um, to praise, promote. Use the word promote and praise. That means if you want to talk some, about someone behind their back, promote them. Edify them. Edify them, promote them, praise them. Okay. Now, now this is harder because gossip is easier because gossip is tend to pick on something. You know, pick, and yeah. all of us got something for you to pick if you really want to pick. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
but to to promote and to uh, to to edify, uh, it's an effort. Yeah, you got to start thinking about what has this person done well. Where has this person is good about? You know that. And then if you got to talk to somebody, say I, I like John because you know John is good at doing this or that. Okay. Now imagine this. Now this person will be thinking, well, if I'm John. That's the way you treat me, mm. and then if the if the things get back to John, John will say, "Wow, this person is talking good behind my back." Mm. Now, wouldn't that be a, a a very good currency to have? Yeah. Oh yeah. At workplace. Uh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 Um. Yeah. Of course. Uh, since we're talking about gossip, we cannot avoid the talk about yep. bosses, right? <laughs> I mean, usually they're they're in the same sentence, right? Yep. But I, I think I want to approach the question from this angle, right? What do you think are the Okay, you know, obviously this has, if you, if there's a topic about bosses, usually it's how do you deal with a bad boss, yeah. right? Mm. And how would you categorize the bad bosses out there? And how, what would be your, if you were in the role of an employee, let's say, what would be your response to dealing with these uh, different individuals? There's a chapter in there that immediately tells you that bosses are people, not God. Mm. Correct. Okay. Now, so what it means basically is this, bosses are not without fault. Uh, the questions I ask people, I say, how does one become a boss? How does one become a parent? Mm. Okay, you become a parent because you have a child. Okay, it's not that like you go to you go to university, take a degree and become a parent. <laughs> yeah. All right, yeah. there's, there's no disqualification. Parenting okay? degrees. Yeah. You get it you after know. the fact, right? <laughs> yeah, after the fact. And yeah. But how do you become a boss? It's also after the fact, yeah. okay? You have an employee, become a boss. Yeah. <laughs> okay, you got no employee, you're not a boss, but you have an employee, you become a boss, okay? There's no qualification as well. So how does that make you a good boss? So there's no there's no real saying that you are a good boss just because you become a boss. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And because they are people, they are not God, that means they are, they are, uh, they, they are not infallible, mm. okay? They have all the challenges that you have. Yeah. Now, how does one become a bad boss? Okay, it is not because they are bad boss, because they don't have everything needed to be a good boss. Mm. Okay, example, all right? This person, the, the boss may be very good, okay, treat you well and all that, but one day you have a very bad uh, quarrel at home with the spouse, mm -hmm. okay? And that morning you come to work and then she just shouted at you <laughs> and almost bite your head off, okay? <laughs> and suddenly the way you think about your boss is different. Yeah. All right, but the person is human, okay? Or they make a promise to you, but why? Because suddenly they, they are not able to keep because the, some deals don't, not work out. I'll give you an example, okay? Mm. In the pandemic, a lot of companies are facing trouble. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Now, if you're going to hold boss accountable for the promises there, how do they keep? Yeah. Okay. Because they are trying to survive. Yes. And because of that, I say individual got to, got to kind of have some understanding about the limitations of the person becoming a boss. Mm. And that person, some people have this natural ability to be, to be a leader example yeah some people don't okay some people are good in relationship some people don't mm. okay so they they become a boss because they start a company they have a certain skill set okay and they just hire mm. all right so what they don't have work against them i see now as an employee we start understanding that okay and not give too much to say well i must have i must always work with a good boss and all that okay you take responsibility. Whoever you get, okay, whatever they is, you learn to accept who they are, mm. okay? And don't feel like God, like they, they owe you something, anything like that. But the moment you take responsibility and then you start, now start to figure out, okay, what you don't have is, what do you now do about it? Mm. Okay, 
And if you are on the outside chance, okay, end up working with somebody who really doesn't add value to you. Mm. All right, do you have an option? Yeah. Okay, and in the book, I also talk about options as well. Okay, in the form yeah. of interview, interview, interview. Yeah, I love that. <laughs> yeah, right. so, so you mentioned about what the different types of bosses. Yeah. I mean, you, you, have, uh, you have the inattentive boss, right? So the boss who's sort of always uh, absent, you know, not, not necessarily there, uh, maybe even mentally not there, right? Uh, you, you can have a hostile boss, right? I think Menchai mentioned somebody who may actively sort of uh, abuse their position and power to try and uh, keep you sort of subjugated. Uh, you can have a boss who is, frankly, incompetent, right? Mm. Who's not good at their job. They may be well-meaning, but they're, they're not good at what they do, right? Which is in many ways the worst because you're, you're likely never to improve your own performance under that type of boss because Correct. they're not capable, Correct. right? Those are sort of the three main uh, types of bosses that I've seen that tend to be of a negative type. Um, and you, you kind of need different strategies to deal with each of them. Yeah. And and I think Meng Chai also brought up a good point about um, the options available. Is it maybe a question uh, rather than a statement? Meng Chai, do you think that people don't think of these options is because they fear of the unknown going out or is it because they haven't designed their career and thought about the optionalities that they have? What was the common reason, I mean, for most people to move out, you know, not to move out? Um, but this is what people sometimes don't know about. Mm, okay. Mm. How many people actually know the value to the business? Mm, their their own, own value, value to, to the business. business. And uh, in fact, you, you often hear how they discover their value is when they are not happy, mm. they decide to leave, mm. right? And they go for interview. Mm. And the interview, they found something they like and they get an offer. Mm. And then when they bring the offer back to the boss and they tell the offer, say, I got an offer, I want to leave and all that. You know what the boss do, mm. does? If they think you're good, they double, so they, double yeah. they count they the match offer. It, yeah. They count oh, the offer, yeah. right? Now. So therefore the question is this, uh, why do they count the offer? Because you're valuable. Okay. So why didn't you, you give me the value in the first place? <laughs> why do I need to find out when I want to leave that that's my value? Mm. So if I have not taken this step and you have not done this, then I wouldn't have known my value. Yeah. Okay. And that, that means the, the company would have taken advantage of me. Yeah. Okay. But then if you ask the boss, say, do you know my value? The boss also doesn't know your value. Mm. The boss will know your value is because you went for an interview and found out how much you're worth. Mm. And the boss suddenly realized I, I cannot afford to lose you. Mm. If that's what you're worth, then that's what I'm going to pay you. Mm. So individuals don't do themselves any favor by not knowing. Mm. So the first thing you have to do is you've got to know your value. Mm. All right. And the, the reason they don't know their value is because they don't attend the interview. And the only time they attend the interview is because they want to leave. <laughs> All right, so I'm suggesting for people to attend interview all the time mm. and not because you want to leave, okay? And this one brought to me very early in my career when I was, in a, you know, when I was doing an audit okay, of a client and I met this uh, gentleman who is the head of the finance team. Then he would tell me, he said, hey, you know, uh, sorry, I can't be with you today. Uh, I said, where are you going to go? I said, oh, I'm going to go for an interview. I said, oh, openly, you tell the whole world you're going for an interview. <laughs> oh. Okay. And then he said, yeah, I'm going for an interview. But doesn't mean I want to leave. Mm. Okay. And then he explained to me, okay, I go for an interview because I want to practice. Okay. You know, I, I, I want to 
to, to, to have a practice of uh, talking to people, mm. okay? And, and then when they build confidence as well, because sometimes during the practice as well, they found out what the company, uh, what, what they are looking for and whether they have the thing they're looking for and how they can contribute to the company. And they also have posture mm. because I don't have to, you know, if you want me, doesn't mean I want you. Okay, and if I don't like the interview, I can always tell them all. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Because they're not in a position of subjugation. Really. Yeah. Yeah. And then you, you know you, you and you may know. Okay, like if you ask, they say, okay, I want the twenty percent, the thirty percent more than what you're getting right now, and they are willing to consider it. Yeah. I say, hmm, okay, now I know my value. <laughs> and you know what's the best part? Yeah. If you even if you get ridiculous and say I want fifty percent, and they still want you, and yeah. guess what? And you, if everything looks good, okay, and you make your determination on that, okay, you can still leave. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Okay, on the outside chance, you get an opportunity like that. Why not? Yeah. Okay. So I'm saying that even if you attend interview, there's no downside, no real downside to you. And even if the boss, let's say your boss found you went to an interview and all that. Okay. Now, they have to be the worry. You no worries. Yeah. Okay. And if you're already good, let them worry. Yeah. Keep all them right. on the toes. Yeah. And so therefore, you create option for yourself and not having to depend on anybody. Mm. All right. So if you don't think, if you if 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 you think that you're not getting the best deal, okay, just attend interview. <laughs> For all you know, okay, you may end up that you, when you attend the interview, actually you have the best deal already. Yeah. <laughs> it can be the other way around. Correct. It's to correct. verify what you have now, is it good or not? Yeah. 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 Right. Yeah. Now I have a couple more questions. Uh, the first one is, um, you, you know, both you make a distinction in the book between uh, work-life balance and life balance, right? I think this is something that people in my generation like to talk a lot about, which is, well, I need life balance. And we alluded, you know, slightly to it uh, earlier on in the discussion. But what is the difference? Uh, maybe Sakib. Yep, Sakib. <laughs> you should yeah, uh, be so, able to answer That's uh, <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, so work-life balance is sort of the traditional uh, way they, they usually frame um, the question of, you know, how to separate this whole area you have here called work and this area here called life. And uh, how do you can have them as sort of separate domains? Uh, and in terms of the time that you commit uh, on a daily or you know uh, even on a regular basis, and uh, that's sort of the traditional framing of uh, your time management. And in the book, we talk about thinking things in terms of your life balance rather than work-life balance. And the reason we say that is because we assume that first. Uh, Work is part of life, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, it's very hard to say that, you know, if you spend one third of your life uh, working, that, that that time is not part of life. That is part of life. I mean, it's important to to think of things in terms of, uh, you know, that, that that time is not a separate dimension of existence. But um, also, so when you when you start thinking of things in that term, uh, in those ways, you you need to ask yourself, OK, what is what are my priorities? Right. And do does my time management reflect my priorities in my life? Mm. Um, and that's not to say that it has to be disproportionately more towards your career. Right. You could want a career where uh, your time spent on your career is actually uh, far less than maybe more, you know, uh, high fly CEOs. Right. And I think we're seeing an impulse nowadays in the workspace to push for a a four-day work week, for example, yeah, right? Yeah. Which you're probably hearing about. And I think that the reasoning behind this is because a lot of people feel that uh, they're not 
spending as much time towards other aspects of their life as they should. So uh, we we try and think of work as a part of life. Mm-hmm. Uh, to We encourage people to see it that way rather than to separate it uh, mentally, to see uh, the time and, and energy that they put, the creative energies that they commit to their work as part of their life journey. And then we also encourage people to think broadly in terms of the life uh, that they want and w- what their priorities are and to just map out their time accordingly mm. and to try and move themselves in, in, in even in a career direction where the time that they're spending towards a career is exactly what they would want right uh relative to other aspects of their life hopefully that makes sense yep yeah you know and um, prior to prior to this podcast uh Meng Chai kind of uh, dumb, dumbfounded me a little bit because he, he said, you guys think about work 24-7, right? And I'm like, um, yeah, <laughs> kind of think <laughs> of it. Because <laughs> we're both entrepreneurs, even though we have a lot of flexible time, but you know, it's, it's right, you know, we get inspiration sometimes at two in the morning if we can't sleep and things like that as entrepreneurs. But as employees, and now you're encouraging them to think like business people, I think that in a way, it's very hard to put a separation in between purely work, purely life. I, I, I think that's how I would, I would get that you know, uh, message from you guys, right? Uh, let me see whether this makes sense to you. Yeah. <clears throat> I see work-life as balance as what you do, does it serve you? Mm. If what it do serves you, okay, and that's fantastic. Yeah. The key is if you're not careful, you end up serving the thing. Mm. So if you have a career, if you serve the career, then something is wrong with the equation. Mm. Okay, everything in life that you do, does it serve you? And I, I think you brought up, it's a great point you brought up. Is it because, uh, and, and do correct me if I'm wrong, is it because you end up serving the career is because you do not set your boundaries correctly? It could be. It could be. Yeah, one, one of the... Yeah, so one of the points we make in the book is that at any point, there may be an imbalance that may not necessarily be a bad thing. Mm. Uh, an imbalance either towards the career side or towards uh, the other aspects of your life. Uh, it depends on your priorities, right? So look, let's say uh, tomorrow you have a high uh, profile meeting that you need to attend, but God forbid... Uh, there's an accident involving a member of your family. Obviously, I'm assuming most people will cancel the meeting and go mm. towards the family because that's a priority situation at that time, Correct. right? So the time justified to spend with the family is is there based on the priority at that moment. Mm. So the, the thing is that, uh, and even if that cuts in the middle of your workday, right? Uh, the question is, um, you know, if you're in a phase of your life where your priorities are, elsewhere outside of work right then if you're clear in your mind that the, the, your priority is elsewhere then the question is whether you're making the time to match that right mm. so i think it's important to be comfortable with the idea of having an imbalance right there may be phases of your life where it's justified for you to maybe spend a disproportionate amount of time on your career because maybe things at home is stabilized right yeah yeah uh and it makes sense in that se- in that way. So having an imbalance at that time or at any time is is completely okay, at least the, from the way I see it. But uh, as long as it's matching your priorities that you you have set, right? So uh, 
a lot of people make the mistake of not having their priorities set, right? Uh, and not understanding or not at le least reflecting internally, what is my priority at, at what particular t phase of life I'm in? And yeah. can I justify spending time here versus there? I think that's, uh, that's important. Great. Mm. Okay. I, I just have one final question mm. uh, because uh, I just realized it's like almost two hours. Yeah, just man. By. Yeah, it's <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. Um, and this is a pretty general question. So it might be difficult, might not be difficult, but do your best. To both of y'all, um, what would you say is are your biggest advice or um, advices, plural, um, to someone starting their career, yeah. in the middle of their career and at the end of their career? Because obviously they are in different phases of their lives, right? Oh, that's a loaded question, man. Yeah, which is why I say, which is why I say, do your best. <laughs> Actually, we covered that, isn't it, Sake? You know, we do. We, we, we do talk cover about the in four the phases. Yes. Yeah, we do. Yeah. We do, do. We talk about phases of your career, mm. uh, and um, we we reflect a bit on uh, each phase. Now, when we talk about phases, we don't necessarily mean that um, we don't connect that to a particular timeline. So you could go through those phases at different points in your in your uh work journey mm. but the idea is that you're you're either you know you're either learning you're applying uh you're um growing or you're giving mm, right yeah. so we, we we identify these four stages and i think if you read more in the book it'll cover each particular phase but it relates to those um the timeline points that you mentioned yeah. now so so somebody early in the career right what we're going to encourage them to do is uh to learn right to to take a more exploratory sort of mindset into the work process because that's part of their investment right yeah. uh knowledge gaining at that particular point so not to be pressured uh unfortunately a lot of young pr uh, people are pr pressured into making long long-term choices very early in the career when they're they may not be as set in their mind you know they may think that they may be pressured by the parents to take a particular career path that they're not necessarily committed to. Uh, but what we would encourage them to do is to explore what they're curious and passionate about and to, to learn. Uh, for somebody in mid-career, you know, that mid-career is usually a point of reflection. Uh, and it's a time to sort of reassess priorities and to see and to uh, see what what mistakes you've made and what has worked and what's not worked, right? Usually when it comes to a midlife crisis, and let's call it mid-career <laughs> mid crisis, right? Uh, what happens is that you have certain set patterns of uh, behavior, usually following a sort of social bl blueprint that I talked about before. And in some cases, they haven't quite materialized the expectations that you had early in your career, mm. right? So the question is to ask is why? Why is that the case, right? And our own thesis is that, you know, it relates a lot to the fact that they haven't really taken a proactive stance in their career and they've sort of been on pilot mode. And then uh, when it comes to the latter stage of the career, uh, one of the advices we give in the book is to think about legacy and uh, giving and uh, what is sort of the stamp that you're going to be put that you're going to put in your in terms of your company or your field that uh is going to be reflected even after you've uh, left the space mm. um yeah that and, and and that and a lot of people at the end of the career do think about that you know once they've accomplished what they wanted to do right uh is to you know because you're not at that, at that point 
you're not at hopefully as concerned about money generation or meeting certain milestones you it's more about uh giving back to people and giving back to your field in a meaningful way mm. meng chai is there anything you wanted to yeah, add yeah. to that you see the four phases as a spectrum mm. uh, so if you are at the beginning of your journey there's a lot you don't know and therefore the learning part is that you need to know mm. okay but how do you know so most of the time you know through doing so you end up doing a lot and then this is the part that uh, if you are new in the career you don't negotiate yeah okay if everything is given to you just do just do okay you will discover a lot of things about the work about others about yourself and all that so you look at the whole body of knowledge just because you do a lot and everything gears towards learning mm. but learning doesn't stop just because you go into another phase you know so learning if you look at the spectrum learning continues on until the day you stop you mm. know so the learning is in the background already okay but the big part of it you are you are still learning okay but the second part is where you apply when you get better and then you want to test whether or not have you really learned and the only way you can do that is because you apply and mm. through the applications and all that you discover how solid has your knowledge been you know through the trial and errors through the mistakes that you make and all that and you you keep applying and you actually will get better mm. all right and in the process of applying you continue to learn as well okay but what you will discover is this now you as you apply you understand the dynamics and you and you you, you make less mistakes okay and now we are not talking about specific time frame what we are, what we are doing is that you will go through that phase mm. and when you are really good at doing what you're doing in terms of application and because you're still learning you actually grow okay so, so this phrase when you're gro growing you actually finds that uh, a lot of things happening because the decision you make you're very sharp mm. okay you you take faster time to make decision your quality and all that so you are, you can end up to be a high flyer if you go into that phase because you are applying but because your application is sharp and good okay and you will grow and that's where good companies will start to recognize you okay and if you if you happen to have that relatively young especially let's say in your 30s and your 40 okay in the early 40s okay that's what we call really good for you in your career mm. and once you you achieve this growth phase that this growth will also contribute to your experience and now you have knowledge you have experience you have gone through a lot of stuff and now you start thinking about who else can i help mm Yes, you, it, a lot of things still happening for you, but now you got to start, you know. But also at the same time, while you are giving, you can also continue to give even when early in your career. But because you know less, you give less. And what you do is that the the uh, the, the part that after you apply, you grow and you have a lot to give, and that's where you give not only to you know the people below you, but you actually give to everybody, to your peers, even sometimes to bosses. All right, and you find that that's where. Uh, there's a certain set of completeness if you if you go through that, but mm. understand the the learning, the applying, the grow, uh, the growing, and then the giving. Because the capacity has to be that big before you can actually give. I, I do have one last question, um, and this is coming from a guy who has worked in corporate for 10 years, and I see this in a lot of my senior colleagues, uh, my ex senior colleagues. They, they, they have this belief that you do well in your career, work hard keep your head down you know like what you guys have alluded by right the financial stability should take care of itself what what do you say to that you know <laughs> i i i talk about this uh in fact this happens very often when i do workshop mm. 
Okay, and even senior people, yeah, they struggle in their career. They talk the challenges they have at work with their bosses as well. And I think uh, you may help. Can I repeat that that whole story about the? Please, please. Yeah, yeah. I think it's a very good story for. <laughs> <laughs> well, I I asked. I say, okay, tell me. You know, um, what time you get to work in the morning? You say it's seven o'clock in the morning. I say okay, and uh, what time you you come you reach home from work? I say, okay, uh, seven o'clock in the evening. I say, okay, 12 hours, the door to door. Mm. I say, okay, now you work 12 hours. So imagine you are a battery, all right? So when you leave work, uh, when you morning, you leave work at time, what's your, what's your percentage in your battery? 100%. 100%. Mm. When you reach office? Probably still 100, maybe 90. 90%. Mm. Okay, somewhere in your journey from your home to your office, you lost 10%, what happened? Yeah. Traffic. Traffic, okay, frustration, all the jams and all. Okay, I say, fine. I say, okay, now eight hours in the office, when, when you reach home, uh, what's the percentage of the battery? You'll be lucky, probably 20%. Yep, 20%, 10%, 5%, depending on what transpired in the, at, at work. Yeah. And I get that all, all the time, almost from everyone, mm. most, most of the time, okay? So uh, then I asked, okay, so today is going to be different. I told them, I said, okay, here's what's going to happen today. You're going to reach home about seven o'clock and, and then you're going to have dinner nice dinner, and then you're gonna take a shower and <clears throat> you take up your papers, you're gonna read about nine o'clock in the evening and you put on the TV and then you, have, you, you hear a knock on the door. Uh. And then you open the door and then this person wearing a very nice suit, a tie and carrying a briefcase and ask for your name. Are you so-and-so? I say, yeah, okay. Then, then he introduced himself and say, I'm so-and-so, I'm a lawyer. <clears throat> I, repre I represent this person. Do you know this person? You say, don't know. I say, okay. Well, I'm here to talk about an important legal matter. Mm -hmm. And then you make the assessment. I think that this guy looks genuine. You let the person come in, you sit in your living room and say, okay, now this so and so, you don't know him, but he knows you. Mm. Okay. And this person here um, is a relative on your mother or father's side. Okay. And he said that, uh, uh, and he passed away recently. He has no known relative, but he had left a will. Okay. In the will, he named you. Mm. Okay. And what I want to do is, I want he, I'm here to execute the will. And if you go through this set of legal papers, once you agree with everything, you sign. I will transfer all the things he left in the will. Mm. And then you look at it and so, the amount is ten million, hundred million. Okay. Okay. So you look at it, you kind of have a sense, not very sure whether it's true. When you look through everything, looks legitimate. And then you sign. The moment you sign, you make a call. And then next moment you check your phone, you see. 100 million is in your bank. Wow. Okay. All right. So that evening over, he went off. Next day, you wake up morning. How many percent your bank, uh, your power bank? 200% uh, I guess. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Let's, for argument's sake, it's, uh, it's 100%. <laughs> right, yeah. When you reach office, how many percent? Uh, still 100%. 100%. And you reach home, how many percent? Still 100%. 100%. Mm. Okay. So now the question is this, okay. In this whole story, nothing has changed. Mm. Right? You still go back to the same office, same work, same all the kind of things that happen in the office. Mm. And now you're telling me, just because I introduced one new element in this story, and that the, your power bank remains 100% throughout the entire day. Mm. Okay, so where's the problem now? Fin your own financials, your own finances. Okay. Huh? So which means that the only story has changed is your bank account. Mm. Now your bank account has 100 million. So therefore, all the problems that you've been telling about, it's not a real problem. <laughs> So the real problem is your bank account. Mm. So if it's your bank account, then whose responsibility is that? 
your own. Your own. Okay, so now here is where I share with people about the company. Most no company in the world is designed to serve you in, to, to serve your bank account. Mm. And the, every CEO, and I will have a problem with the CEO, you know, if they design something to suit your bank account, because yeah. the CEO's responsibility is to make sure that it's a company's bank account that they need to worry about. Yeah. Okay, to make sure that every job is paid according to the value of the job, not according to you. Correct. Okay, it doesn't matter who does the job, but it's the value of the job. So if you think you deserve more, uh, are you able to add more value to the job? Okay or find something that give you extra value to the job that the company can afford to pay you for. But if not, that's the value of the job you're paid. Yeah. So where there is a mismatch or expectation for individuals is that they expect companies to look after them. Mm. That their lifestyle when they change, that the company must automatically compensate them for the change in their lifestyle. So if example, somebody get married, Okay, or you got more expenses, get a baby, more expensive, get a house, get a car, more expenses, you know. You mean a company is supposed to keep track of all that and make recognition and pay you more, more? Don't. Okay, so how does individuals therefore help themselves? Okay, is to make sure that you understand all these things and you take charge. And you need to do what you need to do to protect yourself. The mm. company is there to only can do so much for you. Yeah. Okay, the rest is up to you. Uh, Jonathan, you heard that, uh, you're not getting a pay raise next year, okay, Jonathan? <laughs> 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 Just kidding. <laughs> He's going to negotiate. He's going to go to some other oh, company yeah. and show us. Can you, can you, yeah. can you this match offer? this? You know, jo Jonathan has only one thing to do, very simple. He just has to make sure he's a flight risk. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, but in a funny way, we want to make him a flight risk. Yeah, right? we want to make so him. Yeah. <laughs> so, I, I mean, look, before we, look, it's almost, wow, uh, amazing. Yeah. Yeah. But how do people? Yeah, where, where like, do people, where do people get this book? Is it on Amazon or where can people get it? Okay, the the hard copy they are available at all the major bookstores in Malaysia today. Okay, okay, okay. Uh, in MPH, in Popular, in Kinokuniya, in okay. Borders, okay, and in other smaller bookshop as well. Mm -hmm. uh, so my publisher and the book distributor has doing a pretty good job. Okay, uh, it's already there, uh, and then they also have it online as well. You can order through the website. I'm going to give you the link. Okay, uh, the we'll put it in the description. Cunning Publication is the, our uh, sole book distributor. Okay, and they also have a line, uh, have a link to sell it on Shopee as well. I see. So I will give you all the link, uh, and then uh, Saki and I we are working on ebook model. Okay, Ooh. okay. I think it's coming out very soon. Uh, I think, yeah, uh, hopefully next week. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Will it be on Kindle? Yeah. Nice. It will be on. Uh, I think so. Yeah. I think it's on all. Major, all, all major online bookstore as well. Sakib, I need your autograph. Cause a I digital know. one, you can yeah, send yeah, one. Yeah. No, no, he's coming, I, yeah. he's coming. Oh, okay, yeah, okay, okay, so okay. I've got the Mengchai's one. Uh, yeah. MJ's got his Mengchai's too. Okay, I will yeah. check and see that there are some copies that uh, Sakib has signed before he left. Oh, yeah. yeah. My bad. Sakib has. Ah, uh, yes, correct. <laughs> there so, you go. Sakib, you've done it. Thank, thank you so much. Yeah. Yeah. I, I thought we I, did, I, we did. We did our due diligence. Oh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> All right, man. Sakib yeah. and uh, Ming Chai, thank you so much for being on this podcast. Yeah. Actually, this was a very anticipated one by both of us because we know the value is guaranteed, right? When yeah. you guys come on yeah. the podcast. Yeah. And uh, 
Yeah, man. Like, do you guys want to be found if people want to find you? Yeah, individually? How, how do people, how do people find, find you? People? I know he, he wants retirement, so I don't know yeah. whether it's. I think we can give the link to our. Uh, we have a career designer Facebook page exactly. where they can get okay. in touch with yeah. us. Great, great. Yeah, yeah we great. have a Facebook page on that. And then later, we maybe want to develop an Instagram kind of a link as well. Yeah. So we, we have, uh, well, my daughter has helped me. Nice, nice. Yeah. With that. The, the, <laughs> one of the twins or the youngest one? Okay, Jonathan's friend i just want to thank you it's been a pleasure and uh, i really uh, i really enjoyed the conversation yeah uh, my pleasure sours pleasure sours six yeah. six in the morning in, in dallas right now yeah. so you know i know this is the first by the way sakib it's the first because uh, it's the first time that we've recorded a podcast with the clock in the background so it's yeah a bit, it's there a bit you rare. go yeah, yeah so it's like pretty conscious even if i don't want to see it it's seeing on my screen so yeah Thank you both of you so much. The yeah. good, the good yeah. news is this, uh, okay, Sakib, when you are in town, okay, we're gonna, I'm gonna arrange a catch, uh, get together. With yeah, for sure, for sure. Two friends here. Awesome. Yeah, I, I wanna, yeah. I, I wanna visit Urban Hijau, man. I mean, it sounds so interesting. Yes. Yeah. 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 Tell us more uh, about it. Yeah, when, yeah. it's 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 on a, every Sunday. We have a market, so you should uh, mm. stop by in the morning. Sure. Yeah. Great. In, okay. in TGDI. Yeah. Oh, TGDI. Oh, so near. Okay. Yeah. Great. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Uh, thank you guys for coming, and for those who are listening, uh, look. Uh, it's been a fantastic podcast and you know more like more of this will will be coming your way right and i uh, see you in the next podcast bye 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 thank you good night thank you